0: FMW. I'm Amanda, Brett's wife, and we are going on episode 37 where we're going to cover everything over the year of 2009. Brett, can you start us off by going over the last half of 2008?
1: So the second half of 2008 consisted of a lot of Mr. Ganesuke on his retirement tour he had actually closed down his WMF promotion knowing he was going to retire at the end of the year and he had began working for Takashi Sasaki's Apache Army promotion where he and Tetsuhiro Kuroda had formed the heel stable the FNW Legends Army which consisted of former FNW wrestlers like Mama Sasaki Koji Nakagawa and Miki Fuji and they would have street fights and scramble bunkhouse death matches against Takashi Sasaki and Jun Kasai and the rest of the Apache Army for the rest of 2008. The problem would be that these shows would not do very well, and they'd be the Apache Army promotion would be struggling to draw over 100 fans even uh, at Shinkiba. And as a result, the sponsor for the Apache Army would announce that they were pulling out at the end of 2008. So Takashi Sasaki now has to scramble to find a new sponsor, uh, which he is able to. Uh, so starting in 2009, the Apache Army is going to be under new management. But the problem is, is they're not going to put that much into the promotion. Um, You know they're not going to put that much money or anything like or any resources and so the Apache Army is going to only be able to run one time a month small shows small roster not that much of a budget and um, Takashi Sasaki is literally just keeping this promotion alive for um, his small roster to continue to have a job essentially so um, the Apache Army is going to keep going and Takashi Sasaki is going to hope to find something that works here Um, and you know he's going to come up with his his own new plans. So this Apache army is going to be a lot different, uh, in 2009 than what was going on in 2008.
0: Big Japan would run at Corrigan Hall on January 2nd with Yuko Miyamoto as their new champion. Can you go over his match on the show?
1: So Yuko Miyamoto won the Big Japan Deathmatch title, uh, back on December 17th, 2008, and so he is now the champion in Big Japan, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the top guy in the promotion. Um, Miyamoto's still a 666 wrestler, so he's not officially a Big Japan wrestler, and as a result, even though he's gonna be the champion, um, he's just never gonna be the guy in Big Japan. He's never gonna be above the likes of Ryuji Ito or Abdullah Kobayashi, but, um, They're going to give him a chance to really run with the ball here, despite not being a big Japan wrestler. Um, And so this is going to be his first main match um, after winning the title. He's going to team up with Takashi Sasaki, and they're going to go up against Ryuji Ito and Shuji Ishikawa. Um, And in this match, Sasaki and Ishikawa, they would start off brawling on one side of Corrigan, while Miyamoto and Ryuji Ito, they would brawl on the other side of Corrigan. Um, They would all end up getting back in the ring with uh, Ishikawa grabbing a light tube and charging at Takashi Sasaki, but missing, and then Takashi would end up kicking the light tube and breaking it across Ishikawa's chest, followed by Miyamoto smashing the light tube over Ishikawa's head. Miyamoto would then get Ishikawa and begin breaking light tubes over Ishikawa by headbutting them. Uh, Ishikawa would end up grabbing a light tube and then trying to break it over Miyamoto's head, with Miyamoto grabbing the light tube by blocking it, but Ishikawa would end up just breaking the light tube with his hand over Miyamoto's head. Uh, Takashi Sasaki would then end up coming in, ended up kicking a stack of light tubes, breaking them over Ishikawa's head, causing one side of Ishikawa's face to be just covered in blood. It's a really bloody, gruesome spot. Uh, Miyamoto would end up coming in and suplexing Ishikawa, and then Miyamoto would then try to hit a moonsault on Ishikawa while holding a stack of light tubes when Ryuji Ito would end up coming by and kicking the light tubes, breaking them over Miyamoto. And then Ishikawa would end up lifting Miyamoto on his shoulders with Ito coming off the top and kicking Miyamoto. Ito would then set up a stack of light tubes with Ishikawa hitting a running knee, breaking them over Miyamoto, and then Ito would end up breaking a stack of light tubes over Takashi Sasaki's head with a kick. Miyamoto would then pick up Ito and hit a fire thunder on him, Miyamoto having been a Mr. Ganesuke student, and now that Mr. Ganesuke is retired, Miyamoto is now able to use Ganesuke's former finishing move, Um, but when Miyamoto would try for a handspring elbow, he would be met by a roundhouse kick by Ito, followed by a splash mountain powerbomb by Ishikawa, who would set a stack of light tubes over Miyamoto, with Ito hitting the dragon splash on Miyamoto for the win, so Ryuji Ito gets the pin, like I said, Miyamoto Miyamoto's the champion, but Ito is still the ace of the promotion, he's still the golden boy, he's still the top guy, Um, and he's, you know, going to be the number one guy even though Miyamoto is the champion uh, going forward.
0: Lockup would hold a show on January 10th at the Shinjuku Face, with Kanemura challenging Tomohiro Ishii for the WEW title. What happened in this match?
1: Yeah, so Tomihira Ishii had defeated Mama Sasaki back in July of 08 uh, for the WEW title, and then Ishii defeated uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda um, to defend the WEW title at a lockup show. Well, after that, Kanamura challenged Ishii for a title match, so the, um, the match would take place at this show um, with Kanamura getting a shot for the WEW title against Ishii, um, and they would end up brawling in the crowd right away with Ishii grabbing uh, the WEW title and hitting Kanemura in the head with it and um, they would end up coming back in the ring with Kanemura bleeding from the shot to the head. Uh, Ishi would end up focusing on that cut and headbutt Kanemura and then Ishii would end up bringing in a table and smashing Kanemura's head in it. Kanemura would end up grabbing a chair and using it to push Ishii into the turnbuckle and then Kanemura would set up Ishii on the table and go into the crowd and jump off the railing of Shinjuku face in the crowd to send Ishii through the table. Uh, Kanamura would then end up using a piece of that broken table to cut open Ishii and eventually uh, Kanemura would end up kicking Ishii low. And Kanemura would go to hit Ishii with the broken table piece but Ishii would kick Kanamura and then begin smashing Kanemura's head with the table piece. And- Ishii would then end up hitting a brain buster on Kanemura off the top rope um, Kanemura would end up coming back and grabbing Ishii and hitting a Death Valley bomb on a stack of chairs But Ishii would end up coming back himself and hitting a brain buster on those stack of chairs uh, Kanemura would try rolling Ishii up with a small package But Ishii would end up countering and hitting a lariat on Kanamura to get the win So Ishii defends the WEW title against Kanemura. Ishii would then go to cut Kanamura's hair with a pair of scissors when Yusaku Obata would try to make the save for Kanemura, Obata being one of Kanemura's allies, but he would end up getting slapped by Ishi and sent out of the ring, um, and then Ishii would end up cutting the back of Kanemura's hair until Kuroda would come in and make the save. Um, Obata would come back and just begin attacking Ishii as Ishii was leaving the ring, and Obata and Ishii would go face-to-face with one another, Obata being really upset that uh, what Ishii had done and then to disrespect him by just throwing him out of the ring like that and slapping him Um, so Ishii ends up successfully defending the WWE title against Kanemura here and after this uh, the WWE title would pretty much just go dormant here for the next two years Um, Ishii would still be champion but he's not going to defend it he's not going to bring the belt to the ring or it's not even going to be acknowledged that he's champion uh, going forward here um, for the next two years and like I said the belt is pretty much just forgotten uh, until 2011
0: the Apache Army would start up under a new sponsorship on January 16th at Shinkiba. Can you go over the show?
1: Yeah, so I talked about earlier how the Apache Army had new sponsorship um, starting in 2009. So the promotion's under new management, and, you know, it's going to be a little different than what it had previously been. One in one thing is, um, they're now selling DVDs for the shows. The 2008 Apache Army had no DVDs or released for the promotion. Uh, second thing is, um, they've adopted a new theme song at the start of the show, um, and it's gonna be the old A-Team theme song from the 80s, the TV show. Um, so, you know, Apache Army starts with the letter A, so this is the A-Team. Um, and at the beginning of the show, um, all the Apache Army members come out to the ring, so Kamui, the winger, Tetsuhiro Kuroda... Um, uh, Jintaro, Mama Sasaki, Takashi Sasaki, and Junkasai all come out to the ring to, you know, uh, as an introduction to the new Apache army, start fresh, start uh, the new year, the new Apache army. And this show would announce a crowd of 150 fans, so this is promotion's not setting the world on fire right away by any means. Um, I mean, it's probably what they're expecting at this point, but, you know, at Right now, the Apache Army is at a very low point um, as far as interest with the fans. One of the matches on the show is Ricky Fuji and Koji Nakagawa. They were part of the old FMW Legends Army team um, back in the 2008 Apache Army. Well, they're still going to get booked here on these shows, um, kind of as a tag team. They're going to go up against the Winger and Jintaro on this show. And Ricky and Nakagawa, they would end up doing double kamikazes on Winger and Jintaro together. Uh, Ricky would end up going for a DDT, but Jintaro would end up making the save with a clothesline to Ricky, helping out the winger. Um, Ricky would then end up delivering a Hurricane Rana, um, but the winger would end up reversing it and getting the win on Ricky Fuji. So winger and Jintaro, they're going to be kind of pushed here as kind of the second act um, behind the Takashi Sasaki Junkasai group. The semi-main event would be Mama Sasaki and Yoshihito Sasaki taking on Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Gasaku uh, You know the FNW Legends Army team are, has disbanded um, but you know there's still a bunch of former FNW wrestlers on the card here um, and so they have an all FNW match here. I'm guessing if Ganesuke hadn't retired he'd probably be in uh, Gasaku's spot in this match. Um, they would all end up brawling all over the building to start the match up. Uh, Gasaku would end up pulling out a knife and using it to cut open Mammoth, um, and then Gasaku and Kuroda, they would end up taking Mammoth and throwing him in the corner at a ladder, with Kuroda charging, and but Mammoth would move out of the way, resulting in Kuroda going into the ladder. Uh, Mammoth would then end up sending Gasaku in the ladder, and then charging at both um, Kuroda and Gasaku, Mammoth would end up coming back in the ring and putting the ladder over his head and hitting both Kuroda and Gosaku with it. And then Mammoth would hit Gosaku with the 29 years old, followed by a Mammoth home run on Gosaku to get the win. So Mammoth Sasaki here is, you know, going to be pushed. He's the Big Japan Tag Team Champion right now, along with Daisuke Sekimoto. So the Apache Army is going to keep Mammoth strong, even though he's not going to be the focal act of the promotion um, going forward. And Then the main event is going to be Junkasai taking on Takashi Sasaki So the two top Apache army guys going at it with one another and they're going to fight each other in an Apache style deathmatch and uh, this is the first uh, Gimmick under that name and essentially what it is is there's already gonna be one weapon on display at the beginning of the match Which in this match? It's in a barbed wire board um, But eventually more weapons are going to be used brought out during the match and freedoms actually does this now Um, It's called a plus alpha death match where it's pretty much just mystery weapons getting brought in during the match, and that's what this is going to be. Kasai would end up tossing the barbar bar board right at Takashi Sasaki's face. Uh, Kasai would then try to send Sasaki into the barbar bar board, but Sasaki would end up reversing it and sending Kasai into it instead. Uh, Kas- Sasaki would then try to suplex Kasai. Into the barbed wire board, but Kasai would end up uh, dropping Sasaki on it, and then Kasai would end up just pulling out a barbed wire bat, one of the mystery weapons, and begin hitting Takashi Sasaki repeatedly with it until Sasaki would end up just grabbing a chair and just throwing at Kasai's head, and then slamming Kasai on the barbed wire bat, and then Takashi Sasaki would pull out Kinzon's, another mystery weapon, um, but Kasai would end up suplexing Takashi Sasaki head first onto the them, and then Kasai would end up using the turnbuckle to pile drive Sasaki right through a table in a nasty looking spot. Uh, Kasai would then end up getting the barbed wire bat and setting it on fire, and hitting Takashi Sasaki with it. Sasaki would end up coming back and just slamming Kasai on the barbed wire bat that's on fire, and then pulling out a light tube and hitting a de on the light tube, breaking it over Kasai to get the win over Kasai, so Takashi Sasaki gets the win in the first Apache-style match to end the show.
0: Makahen would hold a show on January 17th in Shakiba. What happened in the main event, and what took place at the end of the show?
1: So the main event of this show is Tomohiko Hashimoto, who's running the promotion, teaming up with Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Rikia Fudo. They take on Arashi, Magnitude Kishawada, and Hido. And in this match, Hashimoto he would end up going for a clothesline on Arashi as Fudo is holding on to Arashi, but Fudo would end up turning on Hashimoto and charging at him with a lariat and knocking Hashimoto down, so Fudo has turned on Hashimoto here, and while Hido is distracting the referee, this would lead to Tetsutoshi Goto coming in the ring and hitting a backdrop on Arashi, so essentially it's five on two at this point, um, and then Arashi would end up hitting the worst looking shining wizard you're ever gonna see to get Get the win over Hashimoto, and then Fudo, who having just turned on Hashimoto, he begins kicking at Hashimoto. When Kanemura and Kohei Sato, they end up coming coming into the ring, clearing the ring out, and then Kanemura, Kohei Sato, and Kuroda, they would all announce that they're joining. Ta- Tomohiko Hashimoto's Makian promotion. So this is going to be where Kanamura is running regularly um, His XWF promotion is not gotten off the ground. You know, they had a show booked for January 4th at Corrigan Hall um, And it had ended up never happening and so Kanemura is under the impression that maybe the XWF promotion is Not going to work out and so he ends up uh, finding a home here to wrestle in regularly uh, for the time being
0: A show promoted by Hayabusa would take place on January 24th at the Shinjuku Face. What took place on this show and why did Hayabusa promote this show?
1: Yeah, so the show would be called Fiesta Del Hayabusa Phoenix, and pretty much what happened was the sponsor had reached out to Hayabusa seeing if he could build a show around him um, at the Shinjuku Face, feeling like Hayabusa, you know, if you put him on the poster and just kind of booked the show around him, even though obviously he couldn't wrestle, that the show would do decent. And Hayabusa would get to book the show, um, and he kind of mix up um, FMW Uh, along with Dragon Gate, and um, he would book old FMW gimmicks from the Oneida days, including the Pandita and the Cockroaches, as well as Battle Ranger, which was an interesting tidbit because... Battle Ranger and Hayabusa never got along. Um, Ueno, back in the FMW dojo days, just always kind of felt jealous of Hayabusa. You know, kind of, he came in early and didn't really necessarily like Hayabusa, and now Hayabusa, you know, was always kind of the golden boy. Um, and, you know, when Hayabusa got the position as the top guy after Onita retired, Battle Ranger uh, ended up leaving FMW because he didn't like, hey, this guy that came in after me is you know, the top guy, and here I am still on the undercard, no thank you, well, you know, and he had always given Hayabusa issues in the dojo, um, going way back, but, you know, I talked to Hayabusa about it even, and Hayabusa, you know, pretty much just like, hey, time heals all wounds, you know, I booked him on the show, no hard feelings, and um, Battle Ranger ends up working a um, early undercard match on the show, although losing to Flying Kid Ichihara in just five minutes. Um, And the show would end up drawing an announced crowd of 467 fans. If that's true, you know, that's a decent uh, crowd at Shinjuku Face, um, a building that holds about a little over 600, but, you know, this wasn't a full-time promotion obviously it was just a one-time promotion um also on the show um Mamo Sasaki and Goemon they would defeat Hizugatsu Oya and Riki Fuji, um and Masato Tanaka and Tetsuhiro Kuroda they would defeat the team of Shingo Takaji and Nikira Tozawa and also one thing to note um as far as I know this show was not taped at all um and I even asked Hayabusa about this show being taped at all, and he said it wasn't. So I've never seen any footage of this show um, ever make the rounds, um, just pictures. An event would be uh, the Dragon Gate team of Dragon Kid, BB Hulk, and Pac, who used to wrestle as Neville in WWE. They would all um, compete under Eiji Ezeke gimmicks. So Dragon Kid goes by the name Hayabusa Kid, and he's wearing a green Hayabusa mask and a green Hayabusa outfit and Dragon Kid and Hayabusa, they had a long-standing friendship back in the 90s um, when Dragon Kid was an FMW referee, and um, Hayabusa and Dragon Kid actually did a a CD together after Hayabusa's injury. Um, B.B. Hulk would wrestle as H, and Pac would wrestle as Dark Side Hayabusa, so Pac's wearing the um, black pants and um, the black mask with the horns, and um, they would end up facing off against Nosawa Mazada, and Magnitude Kishawada, uh revising his old F and W gimmick Toriu, um, and in this match, and like I said, there was no video that ever, that exists as far as I know, but. Um, Pac would end up hitting a Phoenix Splash on Mazata for the win, and then afterwards, um, Hayabusa would end up getting on the mic and announcing that his dream would for him to be able to team up with these three wrestlers and compete again in the ring. Um, Like I said, the show overall was considered a success, but um, there never would actually be another Hayabusa-promoted show after this, so this was just one and done.
0: Big Japan would begin their tag team tournament at Corrigan Hall on February 13th. Do you mind going over the top matches on the show?
1: So Mema Sasaki and Daisuke Sekimoto, they're gonna enter into the Big Japan Tag Team Tournament as the Big Japan Tag Team Champions. They're gonna take on the team of Ryuji Ito in Shuji Ishikawa in this tournament match Um, Ishikawa would end up grabbing a hold of Sekimoto by his arms and begin giving headbutts to Sekimoto before delivering a double arm suplex to him And then Ishikawa would try to suplex Sekimoto, but Sekimoto would end up suplexing Ishikawa instead And then Sekimoto would make the hot tag to Mammoth, who would come in and hit a lariat to Ryuji Ito before exchanging lariats on Ishikawa. Um, Mammoth would then end up knocking Ishikawa down, and Ishikawa would end up having to tag in Ito, who would hit who would end up hitting Mammoth with a Northern Light suplex, followed by a Moonsault, and then a Dragon Splash, but Sekimoto would end up grabbing Ito and delivering a Deadlift suplex to Ito, followed by Mammoth hitting a German suplex on Ishikawa, followed by Sekimoto coming in and hitting a Frog Splash on Ito, and then Mammoth would end up hitting a 29-years-old on Ito, and then trying for submission, choke right as the 30-minute time limit expires. So neither no team ends up getting the win on this match. They end up both getting a point um, for going the 30-minute time limit. It's a it's a good match. By no means is it great or anything like that, but um, you know it's at least establishes that Mamasasaki Sasaki is up there with the top uh, Big Japan wrestlers, with the Ryuji Ito, with the Daisuke Sekimoto. Still, that you know he's not going to be expected to job um, very much in this tournament, if at all.
0: The Apache Army would hold a show on February nineteenth at Shinkiba with the beginning of a new feud for the promotion. What happens on this show?
1: So they would announce a crowd of 150 fans for this show. So at this point, I would imagine it's just the lo- the same loyal fans showing up once a month at every show. Um, you know, but there's nothing that's setting the world on fire by any means um, as far as what they're doing, or you know. Cat or bringing in any new fans that are, um, you know, really making this promotion set apart from other promotions. At this point, it really is just kind of like a, a Big Japan light promotion, um, and one of the mid-card matches on this show is Koji Nakagawa and Ricky Fuji taking on Gosaku Gashigawera and Naoshi Sano. Um, in this match, Ricky would end up grabbing Sano's leg, and then Nakagawa would end up rolling Sano up with a ghetto clutch for the win, and so, you know, the this point, you know, Nakagawa and Ricky Fuji. this is where they're getting their bookings, the former FW wrestlers, you know, just once a month, that's all they're gonna find at this point, with WMF having closed down last year, so, you know, at this point at least they're getting booked, although it's, you know, nothing, uh, nothing that's really setting, nothing that's really standing out as, as far as what they're doing, um, and then the semi-main event of the show is Mama Suzaki and Tetsuhiro Kuroda, they're gonna take on the, t- the, the team of the winger and Jintaro, and they would end up brawling up the bleachers right at the start of the match, and Mammoth would end up grabbing a hold of Jintaro, with Kuroda running through Shinkiba, uh, with Jintaro eventually moving out of the way, and Kuroda running into Mammoth, and then all four would end up getting back in the ring with Mammoth hitting a chokeslam on the winger, with Jintaro throwing Kuroda into Mammoth to make the save, and then Mammoth would end up coming back with a hard lariat on Jintaro, but the winger would end up kicking Mammoth low, and then Jintaro would end up Shot-blocking Mammoth and then putting him in the figure four with Kuroda coming in to make the save for Mammoth Uh, The winger would end up going for a senton off the top But Kuroda would end up grabbing a hold of him allowing Mammoth to pick up the winger and, and Eventually end up hitting the 29 years old on the winger to get the win So like I said, they're gonna keep Mammoth Sasaki strong here Even though he's not gonna be the main event any longer of the promotion He's not gonna be a main event wrestler any longer in the promotion and then the main event of the show would be Takashi Sasaki and Junkasai, um, after the battle they had the previous month, they've earned respect with one another, and they're going to team up to take on the team of Brahmin Shu and Brahmin Key. and Shu and Key are identical twin brothers that had started up in the Ultimo Dra- Dragon uh, Toriyuman Dojo before going to the El Dorado promotion, and then eventually becoming uh, top heels in the Michinoku Pro promotion. Um, th- so they're going to be the top heels in this Apache Army uh, promotion, and they're going Going to take on Kasai and Sasaki in an Apache style death match, um, and then they also are going to have Michinoku Pro uh, wrestler Kin 45 um, with them as well in their corner. Uh, Shu and Key they would end up jumping Sasaki and Kasai right away, and then they would begin brawling. Takeda would end up coming out and helping Sasaki and Kasai with Ken-45, and they would all eventually brawl all all over the building, and then Ken-45, he would end up getting in the ring and helping to interfere. Um, Takeda would eventually uh, again help Sasaki and Kasai out with Ken-45, and then uh, Kasai would end up hitting a reverse tiger driver on one of the Brahmins with them landing headfirst into their brother's crotch, And then Kasai would end up hitting a Pearl Harbor splash with Ken-45 attacking the referee and then coming in the ring, but he would end up getting clotheslined by Kasai, and then Sasaki would end up coming in and getting distracted by Ken-45. As he would end up going for a right leg kick, um, he would end up getting Indian ink sprayed in his face and then uh, hit by Ken with a chair, allowing Shu to roll up Sasaki uh, for the win. And then Takeda would end up coming in and hitting a spear on them Clearing them out of the ring as a six-man match would be made for the next month. So Shu and Key are Established right away uh, getting the win over Sasaki um, And so the next month the plan is to just continue this Sasaki and Kasai feud with Shu and Ki um, Just adding in uh, Ken 45 and Masashi Takeda into the next uh, match in March
0: Maka Hen would hold a show on February 20th at Shinkiba with Kanemura in the main event. What happens in the main event?
1: So Kanemura is going to team up with Tomohiko Hashimoto, Kohei Sato, and Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and they take on the heel team of Arashi, Tetsutoshi, Goto, Magnitude Kishawada, and Rikia Fudo. Uh, Kanemura would end up hitting a senton on Fudo, but Fudo would end up grabbing the ropes, and then Kanemura would charge at Fudo, but Fudo would end up picking him up and slamming him, and then uh, Tetsutoshi Goto would end up coming in and hitting a backdrop on Kanemura, followed by Arashi hitting a lariat on Kanemura, for the win, and so nothing really too much about this show or even really this promotion. It's literally just to get these guys a payday and the likes of Kanemura and Kuroda regular work with, um, you know, XWF not really um, running shows at this point. And so um, nothing really stands out on this promotion. Nothing really stands out, but, you know, like I said, just something for each of these guys to do.
0: Mammoth Sasaki would be seriously injured in a car wreck on February 28th can you list the details of what happened?
1: So this was supposed to just be a regular day for Mammoth. He wasn't booked on any shows or anything like that. So he's driving in his car when the car behind him would end up uh, running a red light and they would run right into Mammoth, rear-ending him. And the uh, the damage of this accident would be significant. Um, they would end up destroying the whole backside of Mammoth's passenger seat uh, in his car. Um, So, like I said, this was a bad car accident. Um, Mammoth would refuse to take an ambulance out of uh, the embarrassment of feeling weak, and he would end up just taking a taxi to the hospital instead. Um, At the hospital, um, Mammoth would be diagnosed as having suffered an injured neck, back, elbow as well as suffering from dizzy spells. His neck injury would be diagnosed as a vertebrae sprain uh, which would result in Mammoth having to call Sekimoto and letting him know um, everything that happened and that um, they're gonna have to vacate the Big Japan Tag Team titles. Um, He's not gonna be able to wrestle for a long time and um, they actually would not even give him a timetable of how long he was gonna be out and so Mammoth and uh, Sekimoto vacate the Big Japan Tag Titles. Um, they are, Mammoth is now out of the Big Japan Tag Team Tournament. Um, they simply just put Masato Tanaka in uh, Mammoth's spot, and so Tanaka is now going to team up with Daisuke Sekimoto uh, in the Big Japan Tag Tournament. And um, Mammoth is going to be out for over a year as a result um, so with, due to the injuries that he suffered.
0: A press conference would take place on March 8th, with the announcement that Wing would be starting back up under a new promotion. What else would be announced during this?
1: So, Mickey Ibaragi announces that this promotion is going to be called Shin Wing, which stands for New Wing. And uh, Mr. Pogo, Kanemura, and Hito, they're going to be on the show, as well as F&W Talent, as well. And um, this is, you know, Mickey Ibaragi's fourth time restarting wing he had started it back up in uh 1995 um after wing had closed in 94 and he brought in the ecw talent then he started back up in 97 very very low small promotion did not make tape or anything like that and then he had started it back up in 2001 and had given up Um, after a couple shows and so here's his fourth attempt at it Um, he's gonna you know the first show is gonna be at Shinkiba Um, you know so they're gonna see if there's any nostalgia that can draw for this promotion Kanemura also at this press conference announces that um, XWF is going to be returning so um, on May 10th there's gonna be the first um, XWF show since uh, August 2008 Um, it's gonna be in Me, which is Kanemura's hometown so they're not gonna be able to even run Corrigan or anything in Tokyo um, But XWF at least you know has somewhat returned even though it, it had seemed after two cancelizations at Corrigan Hall that the promotion was dead, but um, they're gonna run a show on May 10th um, Nine months after uh, their first show
0: Jun Kasai would take on his longtime friend jockey Numazawa in big Japan on March 12th at Shinkiba. Can you go over the match?
1: Yeah, so this is going to be a scaffold deathmatch between Jun Kasai and Jackie Numazawa. And early on, they uh, get on top of the uh, scaffold, and Kasai tries to slam Numazawa off the scaffold. But Numazawa would end up kicking Kasai low and then hit a Michinoku driver on Kasai through two tables in an awesome looking spot. Uh, Numazawa would then set up light tubes in the corner, but as he would charge at them, Kasai would end up moving out of the way, and Numazawa would end up going through the light tubes instead. And then Kasai would end up setting Numazawa outside on a table, and climbing up to the top of Shinkiba, and doing a balcony dive off the top of Shinkiba, sending Numizawa through the table. And then Kasai would end up hitting a lariat on Numazawa, followed by climbing up the scaffold and hitting a Pearl Harbor splash off the scaffold, and then get a, uh, and then hit a reverse Tiger driver on Numizawa for the win. And so this is an awesome match, but Kasai, due to all the dangerous spots, would end up suffering a, the consequences of doing these spots by suffering a knee injury um, that he would end up having to uh, also be uh, out of the Big Japan Tag Team Tournament as a result because of the significance of this knee injury.
0: The Apache Army would hold another show on March 16th at Shinkiba with both Kasai and Mammoth making announcements. Can you go over this show?
1: So this show would announce a crowd of 114 fans, so it's even down, da- it's even gone down from the 150 fans, and um, the fact that Jun Kasai has had to be removed from the show, as well as Mammoth Sasaki, I'm sure um, some of the hardcore fans um, had no interest in this card. I remember thinking that even if I was in Tokyo, I don't know if I would have even gone to this show if I had regularly been going to Apache Army shows, because there was nothing about this show that stood out, especially with Kasai and Mammoth um, off the card, Um to- start the show, uh, Mammoth and Kasai would come to the ring and announce um, their updates of their injuries. Mammoth would be in a neck brace um, stating that he was going to be out for a long time um, and that he obviously was not going to be able to wrestle the winger who he was scheduled for a chain match on the show. And then Kasai would get on the mic and let the crowd know that he would be out for two months due to his knee injury and that he's going to be out of the uh, six-man main event match on the show. Um, Ricky Fuji and Koji Nakagawa, they team up once again to take on the team of Yoshihito Sasaki and Kito Yano. Um, Ricky would end up hitting Yano with a kamikaze, and then uh, Sasaki would end up having to make the save on for Yano, his partner. Uh, Nakagawa would end up clearing the ring of Sasaki, and Ricky would end up going for a DDT, but Yano would end up sending Ricky into the turnbuckle and then hit a lariat on him, but Ricky would end up kicking uh, Yano and then hitting a DDT on him for the win. So Nakagawa and Riki uh, win the opening match on this show. Uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda takes on Kamui, and um, Kamui would end up knocking Kuroda out of the ring uh, right away and then hitting an Asai Moonsault on him, followed by a flying drop kick off the top and then Kamui would end up um, trying to do a moonsault but Kuroda would end up moving out of the way with uh, Kamui landing on his feet but Kuroda would end up getting behind Kamui and delivering a German suplex to him followed by Kuroda hitting a lariat on Kamui for the win and so again this is just one of those Kamui building himself up taking on more experienced uh, veteran wrestlers and in, in losing efforts Daisuke Sekimoto would then take the place of Sasaki in the chain deathmatch against the winger. Uh, The winger would end up throwing Sekimoto over the top with the chain, um, with Sekimoto skinning the cat and bringing himself back in the ring, and spinning the winger around and then hitting a spear on the winger. Um, The winger would then try to uh, throw powder at Sekimoto, but Sekimoto would move out of the way and the winger would end up throwing the powder in the referee's face instead. Well, that would allow Jintaro to come in interfere for the winger uh Jintaro would then lay down and the winger would cover Jintaro hoping the blind referee Nikon Lee would not notice that uh Daisuke Sekimoto was actually Jintaro, Well, so she doesn't even know that um, it's not Sekimoto, and so she actually counts the three. But um, afterwards, she would kind of realize that um, that she made a mistake. She would not even call for the bell um, as Jintaro and the winger—they're um, you know wanting her to call him the winner. Um, but then Sekimoto would end up hitting a spear on Gentaro. And then put the winger in the sharpshooter with Yuji Okabayashi, a uh, Big Japan uh, rookie at the time, uh, coming in the ring and making sure that Jintaro does not interfere. And then uh, Sekimoto would end up hitting a German suplex on the winger for the win. So this was actually a pretty creative uh, match that uh, was a lot better than I expected to be. And then the main event. Is going to be a handicap match uh, between the Brahmin Brothers and Ken45 against Takashi Sasaki. And Masashi Takeda, and they would start off brawling all over the building. Uh, The Brahmins uh, would end up getting a hold of Sasaki in the bleachers When Jun Kasai would end up appearing and begin hitting one of the Brahmins with his crutch Uh, The Brahmins would then attack Kasai's injured knee with his crutch and use the other to choke uh, Takashi Sasaki with it, and then they would uh, all get back in the ring with Takeda trying to pick up Shu for an Olympic Slam But Kiyu would come in and hit Takeda with a Singapore cane, and then uh, Key would end up grabbing a hold of Takeda, and Shu would uh, go to hit Takeda with the cane, but Takeda would end up moving out of the way, causing Shu to accidentally hit Key in the head with the cane, as Takeda would then hit a spear on Key. Takeda would then go back to try for an Olympic slam, but then Ken45 would hit the ring and spray Takeda in the face with Indian ink, and uh, roll up Takeda for the win. The Brahmin Brothers would then uh, continue to keep attacking uh, Takeda and Sasaki when uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda would hit the ring and clear out the Brahmin Brothers in Ken 45 and make a challenge for next month's show um, that he wants to team up with Takashi Sasaki to take on the Brahmin Brothers.
0: The Big Japan Tag Team Tournament would continue on March 26th at Corrigan Hall. Can you go over the main event and what that symbolized for Big Japan?
1: so the main event of this show is Takashi Sasaki and Yuko Miyamoto they're gonna take on Masashi Takeda and Asami Kodaka who um, Takeda even back going back to January was still in the opening match looking like a young boy Kodaka he being just kind of so uh, thin looked like he was always gonna be this undercard junior heavyweight uh, in Big Japan he, that's where he'd been the last couple years just kind of in the undercard uh, matches and now they're in the main event of the show um, and so in this match Kodaka he would end up diving off the top turnbuckle to the outside with Miyamoto on a stack of tables with Miyamoto moving out of the way so Kodaka ends up uh, landing through the tables himself Uh, and then Sasaki and Miyamoto they would end up tossing Takeda into a barbed wire board and then Sasaki would end up charging with a light tube um, but Takeda would end up spearing him and breaking that light tube across uh, Sasaki's body Takeda would then end up rushing at Miyamoto in the corner breaking a light tube across uh, Miyamoto's body, and then Takeda and Kodaka, they would suplex uh, Sasaki through a light tube board, and then Sasaki would end up catching Kodaka's leg and powerbombing him right onto a ladder with light tubes uh, attached to the ladder. Takashi Sasaki would then kick a light tube, breaking it over Kodaka's head, followed by Miyamoto hitting a moonsault while holding a stack of light tubes on Takeda, but Kodaka would end up making a save for Takeda. Miyamoto would then put a barbed wire board over uh, Takeda and climb up the ladder with Takeda uh, getting up and actually placing the the barbed wire board over uh, Takashi Sasaki, and then Takeda would climb up the ladder and suplex Miyamoto off the ladder onto the barbed wire board um, that had been placed over Takashi Sasaki and then Takeda would end up hitting Miyamoto with a German suplex for the win. So Takeda and Kodaka get a big win over Miyamoto and um, Takashi Sasaki. Takeda having actually pinned the Big Japan deathmatch champion. And so again, this is just kind of the the really the, the beginning of a new movement in Big Japan. The elevation of the younger wrestlers, um, you know, Takeda at this point is only 23 years old. You know, Kodaka's in his early 20s or so as well. You know, so they're getting pushed at finally at the top of Big Japan and there's like I said, uh, just kind of this new movement as far as the younger wrestlers being able to do things that the Shadow WXs um, and the older Big Japan wrestlers couldn't do. And so, um, you know, and this is kind of what has turned into Big Japan today. 2009 was a very important year, and this was the very beginning of this new movement. And so the fact that two young guys, you know, just uh, just got a huge win um, over, um over as two established guys, you know, it's, like I said, just kind of a uh, impactful moment in Big Japan, and we're going to go over it more here in this episode, how, you know, there is a, definitely a youth movement on and a uh, desire to push the younger wrestlers um, for the future.
0: Maka Hen would hold another show on March 27th at Shinkiba. What took place in the main event?
1: Yeah, so on this show, it's uh, Kentaro Kanemura and Tetsuhiro Kuroda teaming up to take on Hido and Daisaku Shimoda. I've talked about Shimoda in the past. He's pretty much just been uh, a wandering uh, independent wrestler in Japan um, the last couple years. Um, In this match, Hido would end up pulling out his scissors and begin to cut open Kanemura's face. Uh, So he just begins uh, slicing Kanemura. Um, Kuroda would eventually end up hitting a Tekken cutter on Shimoda, which would cause him to fall into Kanemura's arms, with Kanemura then giving him a suplex, followed by Kanemura hitting a senton on Shimoda for the win and so again you know this is uh, a promotion there's not really too much to it it's literally just there to get everyone um, a a booking to get everyone you know work and um, there's nothing really too much standing out as far as this promotion and as a result there's not that much buzz around this promotion why most people probably don't even know this promotion even ever existed.
0: Mobius would hold a show on April 4th at the Shinjuku Face with an Apex of Triangle Tag Title Main Event.
1: What happened in this match? Yeah, so Masio Orohara is going to team up with Taro Kanemura and Dick Togo. They're going to challenge for the Apex of Triangle six-man tag titles. They had lost it to the Nosawa, Masada, and Takamura team back in December, and so they're challenging for the titles once again. Um, Takamura, though, has uh, suffered a serious injury that um, pretty much ended his career. I think he only wrestled a couple more times as a result um, the last 10 years, but um, he's out as a result, and... Uh, Yoshihiro Takeyama, he's going to take his place in this match, so it's going to be Nosawa, Masada, and Yoshihiro Takeyama. In this match, Orahara would end up hitting a G- Spider-German suplex on Masada, but as he would end up laying on the turnbuckle, he would be met by a Takeyama kick and would end up getting hit with a backdrop by Takeyama. Uh, Nosawa would end up hitting a Shining Wizard, but as he would end up going for a La Magistral, Orohara would end up sending him into the ropes where Nosawa would be met with a broken table piece uh, shot to the head, By Togo, and then Orahara would then end up hitting a moonsault on Nosawa to win back the Apex of Triangle six man titles. So Kanamura, Orahara, and Togo hem back the Apex of Triangle six man tag titles.
0: Takashi Sasaki would promote a show for school children on April 14th at Shinkiba. Can you go over his match
1: on the show? So this would be a free show put on by Takashi Sasaki promoting, um, you know, the interest of pro wrestling for school children. Um, on this show, um, Takashi Sasaki would team up with Kamui, and they would take on Jintaro and the winger. Sasaki would end up brawling up, uh, the bleachers with the winger, with all the school children in the crowd screaming as, uh, the two wrestlers are going, you know, fighting right next to them. Uh, Jintaro would end up grabbing a hold of Sasaki, but Sasaki would end up moving out of the way as the winger would end up running into Jintaro. And then Sasaki would end up uh, taking a uh, broken table piece and smashing it over both Chintaro and the winger's heads And then end up hitting a double clothesline on them Followed by hitting a DJist on the winger for the win and so like I said This was pretty much just a a free show to gain interest in the school children, you know a novel thing So this was just something a novel thing for uh, Takashi Sasaki to do Try and gain interest in the Apache Army promotion by going hey look This is what we're providing with this small little promotion You know, you come here free, you might like what you see, you might come back, but um, obviously the crowds didn't really go up as a result of this um, publicity stunt.
0: The Apache Army would hold their show of the month on April 17th at Shinkiba. Can you go over this show?
1: So they would announce a crowd of 98 fans for this show. So they already are back to drawing under 100 fans for Shinkiba, um, kind of like what they were doing at the end of 2008. And you know, at the end of 2008, they lost their sponsor as a result of not doing well. And this new sponsor already has them on a short leash, only willing to promote one show a month in Shinkiba, knowing that hey, you know, this promotion might is a losing money promotion, and there's no real interest in the promotion. And um, so things are really right now scary. For for uh, the Apache Army, you know, especially right now with no Jinkasai or Mama Sasaki, and it's already such a thin roster. Um, but on this show, uh, Koji Nakagawa would team up with the winger, taking on Riki Fuji and Gosaku Gashigawara. So they're kind of mixing up Ricky and Nakagawa here, um, having them face off against each other instead of team. A team up and ricky would end up trying to hit a ddt on the winger with nakagawa coming over and hitting a sunset flip on ricky And then picking him up for a kamikaze when gosaku would end up kicking nakagawa and trying to go for a choke slam, But nakagawa would end up kicking him low and then rolling up gosaku with a ganasuke clutch for the win So nakagawa and the winger get the win in their match And then masashi takeda would take on Ken 45 in a street fight and in this match the brahmin brothers would just end up Interfering and attacking Takeda three on one as all three of them would end up uh, delivering a kick to Takeda in the head and then lift him up for a powerbomb before eventually they would end up just laying him out and Ken 45 would end up getting the win um, and then uh, afterwards they would just continue to lay him out just kicking Takeda when Takashi Sasaki and Tetsuhiro Kuroda they would end up rushing into the ring and the main event would just uh, take place right then and there and they would end up all brawling all up in the bleachers to Shinkiba and then And eventually they would end up getting back in the ring with Ken-45 grabbing Kuroda's leg. And Kuroda would end up chasing Ken-45 all over the building after him. Um, Sasaki would end up going for a charging lariat. And then Ken-45 would end up grabbing his leg. Followed by the Brahmin Brothers using a Kendo stick. Um, and hitting Takashi Sasaki in the head. Ken-45 would end up getting involved again, and they would all do a three-on-one attack on Sasaki, with Kuroda having to make the, with Kuroda having to make the save before Takeda would come back in the ring to help uh, Kuroda and Sasaki out, but the Brahmin brothers would end up grabbing Takeda and going um, to hit him with a Singapore cane, but Takeda would end up moving out of the way, and the Brahmin brothers would end up, uh, one of them would end up hitting the other with the Singapore cane instead. Which would allow Takeda to hit the other one with the spear, and then Takashi Sasaki would go for the dejist on Key, but um, he would end up trying to send Sasaki into the ropes to be met with a uh, shoe spitting Indian ink. But Sasaki this time would end up moving out of the way, and Key would end up getting uh, the Indian ink um, sprayed in his face instead, and then Sasaki would end up finishing Key off with the dejist for the win. So the Apache would finally get their win over the Brahmin brothers here. Hi- um, but you know, they're going to still continue to be the main force, the main heel act here in the Apache army. This, uh, this feud is going to continue another month at least.
0: Maka Hen would hold a show on April 25th at Shinkiba. What happened in the main event and what happened
1: afterwards with Kanemura and Orahara? So the main event of this show is going to be Tomohiko Hashimoto, Kohei Sato, and Yusaku Obata taking on Daisuke Sekimoto, Shuji Ishikawa, and Masashi Takeda. Uh, Takeda would end up hitting Obata with an Olympic slam, but as he would end up going to the ropes, he would end up being met by a kick from Sato, followed by a suplex from Sato. And then Obata would end up nailing Takeda with the kick, followed by a suplex by Obata for the win, so Obata gets the pinfall over uh, Takeda on this show. Afterwards, Orahara would end up coming to the ring and calling out Kanemura to come to the ring as well. Orahara um, would be really upset that Kanemura has been siding with Hashimoto's group uh, lately. You know, he's been just working with them regularly. When you know, Orahara was the one that gave Kanemura, um his big break last year after the whole sexual harassment scandal. You know, Kanemura, um you know, had not been getting booked at all, and Orohara was the one that gave Kanemura a shot to come back into the business, essentially. And now Kanemura's been working for Hashimoto's group, and it's kind of become a Makian wrestler instead of a Mobius wrestler, and Orohara is upset about this, and so there's going to be some tension between Kanemura and Orohara here going forward.
0: Atsushi Onita would promote his own show on April 25th in Saitama with a no-ropes barbed wire death match. What took place in the main event?
1: So this is going to be a no-ropes barbed wire death match with uh, Sushi Onida teaming up with Katsunari, Toei, and the winger, and they're going to go up against Ichiro Yaguchi, Shinigami, and the Shooter 2009, so I'm guessing it's just a uh, independent wrestler, uh, wearing a generic shooter mask. Um, and in this match, Onita would end up grabbing Yaguchi and taking him across the building, eventually just throwing him at the entrance door of the building. Um, Onida would end up coming back in the ring and begin smashing Yaguchi, Shinigami, and the shooter over the head with a broken table piece, and then Onita would end up throwing Shinigami into the barbed wire and then hitting a Thunderfire powerbomb on the shooter, for the win, and so this is just kind of get Onida, um you know, this is probably his first match of the year. He's not really wrestling that much. He's only promoting a show every so often. At this point, his main focus is actually to get back into politics. Um, even after everything he had um, encountered uh, just two years earlier in 2007, getting, you know, kicked out of the uh, Japanese Senate, he now um, wants to become a, the governor, essentially, of Nagasaki. So he is going to, um, you know, focus on politics here going forward um not really wrestled too much um here um for the first half of 2009 um eventually he would not even come close to winning uh the election to become governor of nagasaki and so um onita would go back to kind of focusing more into wrestling at the end of 2009 as a result maka
0: hen would hold another show on may 2nd at shinkiba with kanemura as the referee in the main event
1: can you go over
0: this match and what kanemura did
1: so in this match, it's going to be Tomohiko Hashimoto taking on Masio Orohara. You know, due to the conflict that Orohara had with um, Hashimoto and Kanamura kind of siding together more. You know, now they're going to um, have make a match out of it. Well, they would end up brawling in the crowd at first before Orohara would end up grabbing a chair and hitting Hashimoto with it. And then he would go to smash Hashimoto over the back with the chair. But Kanemura would end up grabbing the chair from Orohara. Orohara um, would end up kicking Hashimoto low right in front of Kanamura and then rolling Hashimoto up. Well, Kanamura would then end up just throwing Orahara off and then which would upset Orahara who would get in Kanamura's face with Kanamura just striking Orahara and then Hashimoto would end up hitting a lariat on Orahara. With Kanemura making the three count for Hashimoto, so the uh, friendship pretty much is completely over between Kanemura and Orahara here um, going forward. Although they're going to still be teaming up one more time um, here in the next week or so.
0: Kanamura would have a Spider-Net death match against a wrestler going by the name Freddy Krueger on May 3rd at Shinjuku Face for the Guts World promotion. What took place in this match?
1: So Kenner is going to take on Freddy Krueger, which was an old gimmick in wing and FMW that Victor Quinonez, um had been using, um, using the old monster gimmicks. Um, I don't know who's under the mask here, but um, Freddy would end up throwing Kanemura into a barbed wire board in the corner, and then Freddy would end up suplexing Kanemura into the Spider-Net barbed wire board, and then Freddy would end up cutting open Kanemura. Uh, Kanemura eventually would fight back, sending Freddy into the barbed wire board and then kicking him into the Spider-Net barbed wire um, before hitting a Senton Splash for the win. So Kanemura defeats Freddy Krueger, kind of like an old wing match... uh, uh, 15 years later. This was something Kanemura loved doing though, especially, you know, kind of revisiting his old wing days, wrestling an old wing opponent. Although this obviously wasn't the same person that, um, wrestled as Freddy Krueger, uh, in wing under the mask.
0: XWF would hold its first show in nine months on May 10th in Kanemura's hometown of Me. What are some of the details of the main event of this show?
1: So on this show, it's going to be Kentaro Kanemura, Masio Orohara, and Kohei Sato teaming up to take on Masato Tanaka, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and Dragon Gate's Don Fuji. Uh, Kuroda would end up hitting a Tekken cutter on Kanemura, followed by Fuji hitting a choke slam on Kanemura. And then Kanemura would eventually knock Kuroda out of the ring, over the top, um, as the fans would begin to be told to start throwing the chairs in the ring, filling the ring up with chairs, as Orohara would end up hitting a Spider German suplex on Kuroda on all the chairs followed by Kanemura hitting a senton slash for the win. Afterwards Orahara and Sato would help Kanemura up with Kanemura shoving Orahara down and then Kanemura would end up doing the team no respect dance with everybody but Orahara. So the Kanemura Orahara feud's going to really kind of pick up here as it's officially over. Their friendship is officially over. And this was the first XWF show held in nine months. Um, I'm sure that nobody really thought this promotion was going to actually happen after um, the two Corrigan Hall shows in October and January were canceled. But um, they were able to find enough money to run a small building in Kanemura's hometown. Um, And this promotion is not going to be that regular. They're going to run every couple months, which I'm sure is... they is better than what they probably thought in January after the second Corrigan Hall show had got canceled. So um, it's just going to be kind of a random promotion. Whenever they have enough money, they're going to hold a show.
0: The Apache Army would hold a show on May 22nd in Shinkiba. Can you go over the show and the incident that took place at the end of the show?
1: So, on this show, Junkasai is back on the card and um, as for his return match, and they would announce a crowd of 150 fans, so they're back to what they were at the beginning of the year, at least they're you know, announcing over 100 fans, but this is still by no means um, a great number or any sign that the Apache Army is going to start drawing really well. Um, on this show, they would have a three-way match with Fuji, Masahiro Takanishi, and Koji Nakagawa going by the Goemon gimmick officially, but not wearing um, his Goemon attire wearing the Nakagawa um, Team No Respect uh, attire. And in this match, Riki and Nakagawa, they would end up going at it while Takanishi would just watch uh, while on the top rope and then uh, eventually, Takanishi would see an opening and grab Nakagawa's leg and pull him out of the ring. Uh, Nakagawa would end up coming in and helping Ricky as they would both hit kamikazes on Takanishi. Ricky then would tell uh, Nakagawa to go to the top rope to hit a swanton bomb on, on Takanishi. But um, as he would go to the top rope, Ricky would end up hitting a DDT on Takanishi and get the win. So it was, uh, Ricky pretty much fooled Nakagawa into uh, making sure that he was away from the pinfall. So So Ricky could take advantage and get the win. Then Tetsuhiro Kuroda would take on Yuji Okabayashi. I talked about him earlier. He was a big Japan rookie at this point. Um, Okabayashi would end up uh, climbing up to the top rope and missing a diving headbutt. And Kuroda would end up going for a lariat. But Okabayashi would end up grabbing Kuroda. With Kuroda rolling Okabayashi up with a Sanson clutch uh, for a two count. Kuroda would then go for a lariat, and it would be the worst looking lariat I've ever seen, completely missing Okobayashi, and Okobayashi would end up still selling it. Um, so this is really bad looking spot right here. Uh, but eventually Kuroda would end up hitting a lariat that would actually hit Okobayashi. On, and he would end up getting the win with that lariat and like I said that lariat that Kuroda had done earlier Was so bad look and you could tell Okobayashi does not have that much experience to still try and sell a spot like that or a move like that that completely missed And then the main event is Junkasai, uh, Takashi Sasaki, and Masashi Takeda Taking on Brahman Shu, Brahmin Key, and Ken 45 in a single elimination match and essentially um, how this match starts It's you know one on one and then eventually um, It becomes two on one before it evens up to two and two and then, um, you know, so the heels kind of have this one-minute advantage um, before the babyface team would come back to even things up. Um, this match would start with uh, Tatashi Sasaki taking on Brahmin Key, um, but eventually Brahmin Shu would come out and they would um, he would end up bringing two kendo sticks with him and they would double-team Sasaki until Takeda would come out to even things out until Kin 45 would come out before Junkasai's music would then hit. And he would come out and he would have a crutch with him, but he would end up just throwing it down and running to the ring And he has a new hairstyle here. It's it's probably the style that most people associate him now with Um, It's the the hairstyle that he still has to this day um, Where it's kind of this shave cut, but a ponytail Kasai would end up clearing the ring and they would end up brawling all over the bleachers including Kasai pile driving kin on the ramp of Shinkiba. Um, They would end up getting back in the ring with Takeda grabbing kin as uh, Sasaki would end up up hitting him with a barbed wire bat, and then Takeda would end up hitting a German suplex on him uh, for the elimination, so Ken-45 would end up being eliminated by- Ken45, despite being eliminated, would end up uh, grabbing a kendo stick and hitting Kasai in the knee with it, allowing the Brahmin brothers to take advantage of Kasai's knee. They would begin going after um, Kasai's knee with chairs. Uh, Kasai would eventually have to make the tag to Takeda, but as Takeda would come in, they would end up wrapping uh, Takeda up with a net and then hitting him with a kendo stick and then roll him up for the elimination. So now it's two-on-two, the Brahmin brothers against Takashi Sasaki and Jun Kasai. With Takeda eliminated, Sasaki and Key would then begin to go at it. Before both of them would end up going over the top rope um, and begin fighting on the apron, with Sasaki knocking Key off the apron for the elimination. But then Ken 45 would end up grabbing Sasaki's leg and have him fall onto the floor for to be eliminated as well. So this would leave. Um, Jun Kasai to go up against Brahmin Shu. Uh, Brahman Key and um, Ken45 would continue to interfere, but Sasaki would end up making the save for Kasai, who would bring in a bucket of thumbtacks with Shu accidentally punching the bucket, but not hard enough to actually punch it through. And then she, so Shu would end up having to punch the bucket again for the thumbtacks to actually come out. So that would be a really awkward looking spot right there. Um, Kasai would end up hitting a lariat on Shu, on the thumbtacks, and then hit a Pearl Harbor splash on Shu. So the Apache army get the win over the Brahmin brothers. Um, Takashi Sasaki would then put his hand out to uh, the Brahmin brothers and Kin45 with the hope that this would be the end of their feud when all of a sudden Kintaro Kanemura would come to the ring. He would end up uh, throwing his cigarette at Takashi Sasaki coming into the ring and slapping him in the face with Takashi Sasaki slapping him right back. Um, Tomohiko Hashimoto and Koei Sato would come out for Kanemura and then the rest of the Apache army would come out for Takashi Sasaki. Uh, Kanemura would be really upset at Sasaki, you know, saying you took my Apache army name I'm the one who created the Apache army and you're using it for yourself as the two would begin to go at it with one another with With everyone quickly breaking it up. Eventually Kuroda would come to the ring and try to get Kanemura out of the ring uh, But Kanemura would just stay on the apron as uh, Takashi Sasaki would throw a tin can and start hitting Kanemura with a kendo stick before eventually Kuroda would talk to Kanemura and eventually get him to agree to leave. So what this was, as far as what I've been told and what I know, and I actually asked Kanemura uh, about this in the interview that I had with him last year, but he didn't really remember too much um, about it. Um, Essentially... Uh, you know, the Apache Army, they're struggling. They don't know what to do as far as, um, you know, uh, the future with how bad this promotion is going. Well, you know, hey, there's this natural rivalry with Kanemura having left, and, you know, Kanemura at this point, you know, he's working for other promotions, and, you know, they try to see if they could get Kanemura, you know, and have a a new feud with Kanemura going up against Takashi Sasaki, with Kanemura trying to win back his Apache Army name, Um, you know, with the XWF promotion not really doing too well. Kanemura agrees, and, um, you know, this is to set up a new feud between the two, you know, to look as realistic as possible. You know, there still is real b- bad blood between the two, but uh, Takashi Sasaki knows that, hey, the way the Apache Army is, is going right now, this promotion is promotion's not going to go much longer. So I'm going to try, I'm going to, you know, throw a Hail Mary to see if something like this clicks and bring in Kanemura and, you know, t- to have this real life feud to see if, you know, hey, th- you know, something like this would really work. Well, you know. As a result of this, the sponsors are really upset at Takashi Sasaki afterwards. You know, hey, I didn't, when I signed up for the Apache Army to sponsor this promotion, I was told Kanemura would have nothing to do with this promotion. Kanemura would never be seen again in the promotion. He's expelled. So the sponsor is really upset at Takashi Sasaki, threatening to pull out right, you know, right away. And as a result, nothing um, in regards to this feud would end up taking place. Uh, Kanemura would never would not speak with Takashi Sasaki again for seven years. You know, there re- like I said, there was a real beef between the two. Um, this was the one time they had really interacted with one another after the sexual harassment scandal, and it was just to see if something could click with the Apache Army. But due to just everything that came along with Kanemura, all the baggage, um, this would actually spell the end of Takashi Sasaki's Apache Army, which which we'll go over here um, in a minute.
0: The finals of the Big Japan Tag Team Tournament would take place on May 28th at Corrigan Hall. Can you go over the match?
1: So it's going to be a rematch of the March show with Masashi Takeda and Nasami Kodaka taking on Takashi Sasaki and Yuko Miyamoto. And this is for the Big Japan Tag Team titles after Mammoth Sasaki and Daisuke Sekimoto had to vacate the titles after Mammoth's injury. Um, Takeda would end up hitting a spear early on, sending Sasaki into the light tube set up all around the ring. Um, they would end up brawling outside as Kodaka and Miyamoto would begin going at it with, with Kodaka knocking Miyamoto outside the ring and then delivering an Asai moonsault Onto everyone outside the ring Um, Takashi Sasaki and Takeda Would begin brawling around ringside As Kodaka and Miyamoto would brawl Around the building Uh, Takeda would end up grabbing a barbed wire board And bringing it into the crowd With Sasaki charging at him And Takeda catching Sasaki And delivering a suplex onto the barbed wire board Into the crowd at Corrigan Hall Um, They would end up getting back into the ring With Takeda placing Miyamoto in the corner With the chair over his head With Takeda hitting a drop kick on Miyamoto in the face, and then Takeda would end up hitting a Urinagi on Sasaki on a stack of light tubes, followed by Kodaka coming off the top with a chair and breaking a stack of light tubes over Sasaki. Sasaki would then come back with a lariat on Kodaka, followed by hitting a Degeist on a huge stack of light tubes with Takeda having to make the save for Kodaka and then Sasaki would end up taking Another huge stack of light tubes and kicking it and breaking it across Kodaka's head with Kodaka kicking out and the fans Screaming for Kodaka this the crowd is hot there is electricity in the crowd with how much they are into this awesome match um, Miyamoto would end up hitting a fire thunder on Kodaka But the 30 minute time limit would expire before he would be able to make the pinfall um, the referee would then call for overtime as Sasaki and Miyamoto would go after Kodaka including Miyamoto hitting Kodaka with the fire thunder and a moonsault but Miyamoto would then go for another moonsault and Kodaka would end up moving out of the way and tagging in Takeda who would end up delivering a slam on Takashi Sasaki and then Takeda would end up breaking the barbed wire board over Takashi Sasaki and suplexing Miyamoto on the barbed wire board over Sasaki, and then Takeda would end up uh, escaping a ganasuke clutch from Miyamoto, and Takeda would end up hitting a German suplex on Miyamoto for the win. So Takeda and Sami Kodaka, they win the tag team tournament. They win the Big Japan tag team titles. This is an awesome match. The crowd is hot. Like I said, there was a new movement in Big Japan where the uh, youth movement and, you know, the younger guys, the early 20 guys that are willing to do this, that are willing to have great matches that are willing to put their body on the line. They're going to be pushed here to the top and like I said, Takeda was was an opening match guy at the beginning of the year in January 2009 and here we are in May and now he and Asami Kodaka who, you know, have been in the undercard for years, they are now top guys in the promotion having won the Big Japan Tag Titles in an awesome match and Big Japan is now catching fire with having awesome match after awesome match main event Corrigan Hall and this would be one of the best matches in an awesome year of 2009 for big japan
0: the new shin wing promotion would start up on may 29th at shinkiba what took place on this show
1: So this would be the return of Wing. I talked about it earlier, how this was kind of, you know, Mickey Eberaki's pretty much his last chance to be able to bring Wing back. Um, They would announce a sellout crowd at Shinkiba. And so, you know, they're not going to be able to run Corrigan Hall or anything like that. But they can do well in a small building like Shinkiba. Um, They would have a FMW versus Wing match with Masato Tanaka and Tetsuhiro Kuroda taking on Hideki Osaka and Katsunari Toye in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, They would end up uh, starting by brawling all over Shinkiba. Uh, Tanaka would end up fighting with Hosaka up into the seats and then trying to roll him up while uh, Kuroda would end up taking Toy up the bleachers before hitting a clothesline on him, sending him into the seats. Um, they would end up getting back in the ring with Hosaka hitting a Hurricane Rana on Tanaka before sending him out of the ring and hitting a tope on him. Uh, Kuroda would end up helping Tanaka with Hosaka with Kuroda laying out Hosaka allowing Tanaka to hit a Frog Splash on him with Toye making the save with a chair shot. Uh, Kuroda and Toye would then begin fighting over the chair with Toye getting behind uh, Kuroda, um, trying to suplex him, but Kuroda would end up kicking Toye low and rolling him up with the Samson clutch for the win. So the FMW team gets the win over the wing team. Um, And then and then the main event is Mr. Pogo teaming up with Magnitude Kishawada going by his old Toru gimmick um, wearing the old mask and they're going to go up against Kanamura going by his old wing Kanemura name and he's going to team up with Hito and this is going to be a scr- scramble bunkhouse death match so the bat is in the ring with both teams having to wait uh, to the 10 count to be able to run into the ring well Hito would end up grabbing the bat before the announcer would end up finishing the countdown and Hito would end up hitting Pogo with the barbed wire bat and then Hito would end up attacking Pogo with it outside the ring as Kanamura and Kishawada would begin fighting in the ring. They would eventually end up swapping with Kanamura and Kishawada. They would begin brawling outside the ring as Hito uh, would continue to hit Pogo with the bat inside the ring. Kanamura would then end up coming back in and helping Hito out with the barbed wire bat on Pogo. Uh, Kanamura and Kishawada would end up brawling outside Shinkiba and Mr. Pogo would end up taking out his sickle and using it on Hedo. Hito. Um, Hito would end up kicking uh, the sickle, getting his scissors out and, on, and using them on Pogo. And then Kenimura and Hito would end up taking Mr. Pogo's chain and wrapping it around Pogo's neck and trying to choke him out but Pogo would end up pulling out his lighter fluid and uh, using it to shoot a fireball at Kanemura and Hito, allowing Pogo to wrap his chain around Kanemura's neck and throwing Kanemura over the top rope with Kanemura tapping out. So Mr. Pogo and Magnitude Kishawada get the win in this wing revival match. Um, you know, I mean, it's a Mr. Pogo match in 2009, so I mean... it not going to be great, but this was probably as good as it's going to be. These guys are, you know, getting up there in age, especially Mr. Pogo. So the fact that, you know, they were able to have a, a successful match, I would say, you know, it, like I said, it wasn't great. But I would say it was a good match overall. And so I would say consider this a success. But the problem with, you know, having a promotion that closed down 15 years ago, you know, to have all these guys that used to work for the promotion, they're going to be up there in age as a result, and so, you know, this right here, like I said, it's a good match, not a great match, you know, this is probably the as good as it's going to get as far as wing, and, you know, the first time and to have a nostalgia show like this, it's going to, you know, draw as well as possible the first time. But coming back, it's not going to draw as well. And that's what would end up happening with this promotion. They'd run it in Shinkiba again in August and not draw as well. You know, the, the nostalgia act kind of d- starts to wear off. And, um, you know, Ms. Mickey Iribaragi is hoping this, this could be a promotion that runs three or four times a year. Well, there are issues that are going to come up with this promotion that we're going to talk about here in the next year or so.
0: Ted Tanabe sadly passed away on June 15th. What happened, and what was his legacy in Japanese wrestling?
1: Yeah, so Ted Tanabe would pass away on June 15th. Um, It would actually be just two days after Mitsuharu Misawa had passed away in the ring, and so that was the big story. coming out of mainstream media in Japan, um, and just two days later, Tanabe ends up passing away in the ring while refereeing a match in, uh, for Osaka Pro. Um, Ted Tanabe had actually refereed the very first FMW show, um, he had refereed for Wing, um, he had refereed the Atsushi Great Sasuke exploding ring match in 1994. He's probably best remembered for uh, being a referee in Michinoku Pro. Um, for majority of the 90s, but he also uh, would referee uh, FMW in 1997, 1998, and then eventually uh, he would end up uh, ending his career uh, as the referee in Osaka Pro. Um, he would end up dying from having a heart attack, like I said, while refereeing a match uh, in Osaka Pro. Um, they would hold ceremonies for him afterwards for Kai Dojo, Dojo, uh, Michinoku Pro, Osaka Pro, Apache Army would have a 10 bell salute as well. Um, they would there's footage of Shinzaki crying, um, during the Tin bell salute, um, that Michinoku Pro had for Tanabe. Um, Shinzaki and Tanabe were really close friends. So was Sasuke and, uh, Tanabe. Um, I mean, it's a really sad thing. I guess I would say Ted Tanabe is my favorite referee of all time. And, um, you know, it's sad that, you know, he ended up passing away so young in the ring, you know, and like I said, he passed away just two days after Masawa had died in the ring. And so, um, you know, the story was kind of you know his passing was kind of um looked past because you know masala passing away was such a big deal that you know it, it kind of got overlooked the fact that someone else died just two days later in the ring as well so like i said really sad um you know Tanabe was really close friends with a lot of the wrestlers and um i mean like i said he was a great referee both serious and doing comedy matches
0: mobius would run another show on june 21st at shinjuku face With the Orihara and Kanemura feud continuing, what happened in the main event?
1: Yes, yeah, so Kanemura is going to join the heel side here after turning on Orohara. So he's going to team up with Tatsutoshi Goto and Hido, and they're going to go up against Masio Orohara, Dick Togo, and Tomohiko. Um, Kanemura would end up jumping off the top turnbuckle in this match, sending Orohara through table, and then Orohara would eventually end up coming back and hitting a Michinoku driver on Kanemura. Orohara um, would end up picking up Kanemura, and Hashimoto would go to uh, hit a clothesline on Kanemura, but Kanemura would end up getting out of the way um, before Hashimoto could do anything, but Hashimoto would still hit a clothesline on Orohara, and so Hashimoto is turning on Orahara and siding with and joining up with Kanemura here. Kanemura would help Hashimoto hit a choke slam on Orohara, followed by uh, Goto hitting a backdrop on Orahara. Eventually, a Mobius mass wrestler who I don't know the name of, he would come in and make the save, allowing Orahara to hit a spider suplex. Followed by uh, a Dick Togo Senton Splash, and Orohara would then end up hitting a moonsault on Hito. For the win. So even though he got turned on in the match, Orohara still manages to pick up the win uh, in this match. And then afterwards, Hashimoto and Goto win end up attacking Orohara afterwards. So Hashimoto now is full on heel as well, as long, along with Kanemur and Goto. And so at this point, really, the baby, only baby faces in this promotion are Orohara are and Dick Togo and this mass uh, Mobius wrestler who I don't even know the name of. The Apache
0: Army would hold a show on June 26th at Shinkiba. What happened on the show, and what was the big news afterwards that would come out following?
1: So they would announce 210 fans for this show. I was actually at this show live. I don't believe there really was 210 fans, but they must have done a lot better than previously um, at the other shows to announce a number a lot bigger than what they had been announcing. Um, On this show, Fuji would team up with uh, Koji Nakagawa and The Winger, and they would take on uh Yoshihiro Sasaki, Minori Sawa and Kita Yano. Um Ricky and Sawa, they would start off by exchanging chops with one another. Um, before Nakagawa and Yano, they would face off and Nakagawa would end up placing Yano in a camel clutch. Uh, Yano would end up getting up and charging at the winger, but end up missing it and landing in Ricky's arms, who would end up uh, hitting Yano with a kamikaze as a result. Yoshihiro Sasaki would end up spearing Ricky, but Nakagawa would end up delivering a dropkick to Yoshihiro Sasaki's knees, followed by Sawa giving a shining wizard to Nakagawa. Yana would then end up rolling up the winger, but the referee would not be in position to count until the winger would be able to reverse that roll up. For the win, so the Ricky Nakagawa, and winger team get the win. And then the main event is uh, Takashi Sasaki and Jun Kasai taking on Masashi, Takeda, and Jintaro. Uh, Kasai and Takeda, they would go at it first before Sasaki would end up getting tagged in and going at it. Uh, With uh, Takeda and then all four would eventually end up going outside the ring with Jintaro and Sasaki Tossing Junkasai and Takashi Sasaki into one another Uh, Jintaro would end up climbing up the bleachers at Shikiba and jumping off landing on everyone Um, They would end up getting back in the ring with Takeda holding Kasai as Jintaro would try to deliver a dropkick With Kasai moving out of the way and Jintaro hitting Takeda instead And then, uh, Kasai would end up hitting a reverse tiger driver, followed by, uh, Takashi Sasaki hitting a German suplex on Jintaro. Kasai would then end up hitting a Pearl Harbor splash on Takeda, and Sasaki and Jintaro would go at it with chops, with Sasaki laying a kick to Jintaro's head, and then picking him up for the DJs, but Jintaro would be able to escape and then hit a backdrop on Sasaki for the win. So Jintaro and Takeda end up picking up the win, uh, with Jintaro pinning Sasaki, um, Afterwards, uh, Sasaki and Jun Kasai would hug. Um, You know, they've really kind of bonded over the last year, running this Apache Army promotion, and have become friends as a result. Um, This would not be told to the crowd but afterwards uh, Sasaki backstage would announce that the Apache Army promotion was closing down um, after one more show in August Um, and what happened was essentially the new sponsor that they got in at the beginning of the year you know the shows are already not doing very well they're losing money and then you add in the fact that they brought in Kanemura the month prior after they had promised that Kanemura had been banned from the promotion so the sponsor wanted nothing to do with this promotion they're pulling out after one more show, you know, and it looks like the Apache Army is going to close down. I actually, um, you know, like I said, I was in Japan at this time period. I thought the Apache Army was going to close down, and everyone was going to have to find a new promotion, and I actually asked uh, Takashi Sasaki about this, you know, during this week, and, you know, he had such sadness in his face when he's like, you know, when he's like, yeah, the Apache Army's closing down. You know, that's, I mean, all I could really talk to him about with the language barrier, but, I mean, there was definitely, you know, I could tell he was upset over the fact that this promotion was going to have to close down. You know, I mean, they were trying to do something with the can to see if it would spice interest, and it just ended up blowing up in their face, but like I said, you know, it might have been able to be okay, it might have been able to survive if the, the promotion was doing well, but it wasn't. It was going back to what they were, it had gone back to what they were doing at the end of 2008 where they're losing money running these small shows and that's because they're not doing well at all.
0: Maka would continue the Kanemura-Orahara feud on June 27th
1: in Shinkiba. Can you go over the match? Yeah, so being in Japan at the time, I didn't even know about this show. Because I would have gone to it if I had known about it. But, you know, being on the internet and being such a big FMW fan, I didn't even know this show was taking place at Shinkiba. But the main event of this show is uh, Kentaro Kanemura and Hito taking on Masio Orohara and Tetsuhiro Kuroda. Orohara would end up hitting uh, Kanemura with a clothesline and then tossing him out of the ring and then tossing uh, him onto a table. Um, Hito would end up having to make the save, but Orohara would end up hitting uh, Hito with a flapjack. And then Kuroda and Orohara, they would end up both trying Trying to throw Kanamura into the ropes when Kuroda would end up turning on Orohara with a lariat. So the week prior, Hashimoto had turned on Orahara, Now Kuroda is turning on Orahara, and Kuroda and Hido would end up picking up Kanamura um, to deliver a super power bomb with Kanamura getting the pin over Orohara. So again, you know, Orohara really has no friends here. Kanamura keeps finding ways to, you know, trick Orohara, having people turn on him, um, you know, and this is. This actually would be the end of the feud as far as I know because I never saw anything else that would end up taking place as a result. At least if it did, it was so small that it did not even make um, any type of television in Japan.
0: Big Japan would hold a show on June 29th at Corrigan Hall with the new tag team champions Masashi Takeda and Isami Kodaka taking on Jun Kasai and Jaki Numazawa. What happened in this match?
1: So the main event of this show is going to be Junkasai and Jackie Numizawa, challenging for the Big Japan Tag Team Championship against Masashi Takeda and Asami Kadaka in a Fluorescent Light Tubes Iron Cage deathmatch. And the Iron Cage um, that Big Japan actually had was originally FMW's, but after FMW uh, closed down in 2002, Big Japan actually would end up buying that same Iron Cage at a bankruptcy auction, and so they would uh, begin using it after FMW closed down. In this match, all four would end up grabbing light tubes, and each would end up smashing them over each other's heads right away. Uh, Numazawa would end up setting up like he was going to powerbomb Kodaka through the light tubes set up in the iron cage, causing Takeda to try and hit a spear on Numazawa, who would end up moving out of the way, causing Takeda to spear Kodaka through the light tubes set up in the iron cage. Uh, Kasai would end up climbing up the iron cage, but both Kodaka and Takeda would end up climbing up the cage and deliver a double suplex to Kasai off the cage cage, Kodaka then would end up climbing up the cage and hit a double knee drop with a chair on Numazawa's head, and then he, Kato would end up climbing up the cage, but Numazawa would end up grabbing him and hitting him with the last ride Power Bomb. Kasai would end up pulling down his pants, and both he and Numazawa would end up pile driving Kodaka and Takeda. in the glass filled ring, Kasai would end up placing a light tube on Kodaka and then climb up the iron cage and hit a Pearl Harbor splash on uh, Kodaka off the iron cage with Takeda making the save by grabbing Kasai and hitting him with a German suplex. Kasai would then end up coming back and placing a light tube on the back of his thong and trying to hit Takeda with a hip attack but Takeda would try to punch the light tube um, but it would end up failing and he would uh, not be able to break it and and instead he would try to kick it as well but but he would end up failing to break that as well before Takeda would just give up and just pull it out of Kasai's thong and then Takeda would end up grabbing a stack of light tubes and go after Numazawa with them with Numazawa grabbing them with Takeda headbutting the light tubes and then hitting a German suplex on Numazawa for the win. So Takeda and Kodaka get the win to successfully defend the Big Japan Tag Team titles. I, I was at this show live as well and the electricity in this building was amazing. It's one of the most you know it's not the greatest match I've ever seen live but it is one of the most um, surreal matches I've seen live because of just how much electricity was in the building for that match how crazy the crowd was I'm sure it was the same way the month prior and I've been to a bunch of Big Japan shows since and I've never felt that electricity that I felt for this show for like this time period you know the crowd is going crazy for these matches especially Decada and Kodaka and you know right now Big Japan is on a high and um, you know this high pretty much is going to take them going forward the next ten years as a promotion that's known as a, a very well done promotion you know Big Japan had a bad reputation the previous you know 15 years or so or 14 years as just this death match promotion where no not great wrestling is really taking place but here you know this time period with Takeda with Kodaka with Miyamoto with Kasai with Takashi Sasaki having great matches they're gonna change the image of Big Japan over for the next ten years as a result So Yuko Miyamoto here is going to defend the Big Japan deathmatch title against Masashi Takeda. Takeda having pinned Miyamoto twice back in March and May and then uh, defeating Numazawa the month prior. He's earned himself a shot at the title as well as to main event the Yokohama Bunker Gym. So he's main eventing one of the bigger shows of the year when six months ago he was in the opening match. That's how much uh, Takeda has risen up the card based off just how awesome he's been doing and the great matches he's been pulling off and how over he Gotten. Um, So he's going to challenge Miyamoto in a scaffold death match. First of two uh, scaffold death matches that Miyamoto is going to have at the Yokohama Bunker Gym. Uh, Takeda would end up taking Miyamoto outside the ring and tossing him into the crowd. Uh, Miyamoto would end up coming back bloodied up and would end up throwing Takeda in the crowd. Miyamoto would then end up taking a swing at a light tube but missing it with Takeda hitting Miyamoto with a spear and breaking the light tube. Um, They would begin exchanging strikes with one another until they would both end up, uh, they would both agreed to take things up to the scaffold with both hitting each other over the head with the light tube while on top of the scaffold. Eventually they would end up both falling off the scaffold together. Miyamoto would then end up bringing in a barbed wire board as he would go for a lariat but Takeda would end up ducking the lariat and hitting a German suplex sending Miyamoto into the barbed wire board. Takeda would then end up hitting a urinagi on Miyamoto sending him into the barbed wire board and then begin hitting Miyamoto with the board and then smashing the board tearing it up with a chair. Takeda would then end up setting Miyamoto on a table and climb up the scaffold and dive off the scaffold, sending Miyamoto through the table... Takeda would end up bringing Miyamoto up to the top turnbuckle and trying to suplex him off of it, but Miyamoto would end up turning it into a reverse Hurricane Rana in an awesome looking spot. Miyamoto would then end up hitting rolling German suplexes on Takeda before hitting a moonsault with a stack of light tubes on Takeda. Miyamoto would then end up setting up Takeda on a table and begin to climb up the scaffold, but Takeda would end up getting up and climbing up the scaffold as well, and they would tease like Takeda's going to deliver a suplex to Miyamoto off off the scaffold, and then tease that he's going to hit an Olympic slam on Miyamoto off the scaffold, but Miyamoto would end up gaining control and hitting a Yankee driver off the scaffold, sending Takeda through the table with Takeda still being able to kick out. This is an awesome, amazing spot. I actually asked Takeda about this spot and he thought he was dead after getting hit with the Yankee driver through the table he, with how much it hurt. Takeda would end up getting up and hitting an Olympic slam and sending Miyamoto to the ropes who would end up coming back with a handspring elbow with Takeda getting up immediately and hitting a spear on Miyamoto. Takeda would then end up hitting a German suplex with Miyamoto's head landing on a light tube and then Takeda would end up charging at Miyamoto with Miyamoto picking Takeda up and hitting a fire thunder on him and then Miyamoto would end up hitting a fire thunder on a light tube on Takeda before Miyamoto would then climb up the scaffold and hit a moonsault for the win. So in another amazing awesome match uh, Miyamoto so successfully defends the title against Takeda. But Takeda ends up looking awesome here, and his push is going to continue because of how awesome he he is delivering here in these matches. And like I said, this is just another one of those matches that Big Japan was able to put on with these younger wrestlers that they wouldn't have been able to do a year prior with Shadow WX on top or, you know, um, the older Big Japan guys um, that have been wrestling the last 10 years. Having this youth movement and having these awesome matches, again, it's another reason why Big Japan is starting to set the, you know, is starting to changed their reputation, um, as this great promotion with great matches, great death matches, at the same time that the Apache Army is struggling to, you know, draw 100 fans in Shinkiba with kind of the same style. So, you know, and same roster even somewhat, but, um, you know, the Big Japan, what whatever they're doing is clicking right now, um, and, you know, they're not... Selling out and they're not you know big-time finance financial success But they're having great shows and there's word-of-mouth and big Japan's gonna get a lot bigger And like I said, you know, this reputation is gonna stay with them the next 10 years Even to this day as hey big Japan has great matches and great death matches And it was all started based off this youth movement with Takeda and Miyamoto and a bunch of the other guys
0: IWA Japan would hold a show on July Nineteenth at Shinjuku, faced with Tarzan Goto in the main event. Can you go over what led to Goto returning?
1: So going back to May twenty-four for IWA Japan, um, Tarzan Goto made his first appearance in a wrestling ring in, since two thousand six, when he would come to the ring under a Jason mask. In the you know not being announced as Goto, he'd be announced as Jason the Terrible, and um, it would be revealed that Tarzan Goto was back, you know, in IWA Japan, and he would go after. Uh, IWA President Asano, who Goto, Storyline, re- storyline had a beef with, you know, due to Goto's departure in IWA Japan uh, back in 1996, so, um, you know, Goto is going after Asano, and he's going to have a match on this show um, where Goto is teaming up with the Yeti and Bigfoot, so IWA Japan has completely changed their image, you know, they have these monster characters uh, like the Yeti and Bigfoot, and, you know, which is pretty much guys in in um, really uh, unique looking outfits. So it's Goto Yeti and Bigfoot taking on Ricky Ishin, Kappa Kid and President Asano. Um, Goto would end up going right for Asano, um, who would end up wearing this mustache like he's trying to hide from a, you know, I'm not Asano, I'm wearing this, you know, I'm a guy with a mustache, so he's trying to be, disguise himself, um, but Goto obviously seeks him out. The Yeti would end up, uh, beginning to climb the top rope, but he would begin to get weak as, um, Goto would end up bringing a bucket of ice, so Yeti needs cold, he can't go very much, he can't go very long, um, without ice or without cold, so Goto's trying to bring him ice, When the Kappa Kid would end up coming in and drop kicking the ice bucket, causing Goto to drop the ice all over the ring, Um, Ricky Ishin then would begin to pour hot coffee on the Yeti, exactly the opposite of what he needed, and end up hitting a lariat on him, Um, you know, the coffee is just too much for him, Um, and so he's starting to feel the effects, and Ricky Ishin ends up hitting a lariat for the win. So, Ricky Ishin, Kappa Kid, and Asano get the win um, in this comedy match. And, you know, this is kind of what IWA Japan has become. They've kind of completely changed the direction from death matches that they're best known for in the 90s to this kind of style, you know, running Shinchuku face every couple months, doing, you know, monster gimmicks and stuff like that.
0: Takashi Sasaki would promote his last Apache Army show on August 8th in Iwate. Can you go over the main event and what Sasaki
1: announced afterwards? Yeah, so this is going to be the last Apache Army show uh, in Takashi Sasaki's hometown of Iwati. Um, the main event's going to be uh, Junkasai, Takashi Sasaki, and Masashi Takeda taking on the Brahmin Brothers in Ken 45 in a rematch of the May show. Uh, this is going to be a barbed wire board match as well. Uh, Sasaki would be given flowers before the match, um, you know, because it's his return to his home uh, area, with the Brahmin Brothers attacking Sasaki before the bell and attacking Sasaki with the flowers before just tossing him in the crowd. Um, They would end up brawling all over the building including Kasai getting one of the Brahmin brothers on a roller and tossing him into the corner of the ring Takeda and Ken 45 they would get in the ring with Takeda trying to spear Ken But Ken 45 would end up moving out of the way and Takeda would end up going through the barbed wire board instead Um, The Brahmin brothers and Ken 45 would then triple um, team Takeda until he would manage to spear them and make the hot tag to to Takashi Sasaki Sasaki would then end up picking up Ken and dropping him on the barbed wire board before tagging in Jun Kasai and then one of the Brahmin brothers would end up grabbing a hold of Kasai with the other swinging a kendo stick with Kasai moving out of the way and the Brahmin brother would end up accidentally hitting his brother instead and then Kasai would end up hitting a Pearl Harbor splash followed by Sasaki uh, putting up the barbed wire board over Kin 45's head and then kicking the barbed wire board on Kin 45 to get the win so um, the last ever Apache Army show ends with The Apache Army again, defeating the Brahmin Brothers, probably once and for all, as their feud is, you know, as the main event feud is officially over, um, afterwards, Takashi Sasaki would get on the microphone, and announce that the Apache Army is closing down, this is their last show, but he's gonna be starting up a new promotion, which is gonna be called Freedoms, that's gonna be starting next month in Shinkiba, um, so, you know, they're gonna keep the promotion going, um, even though under a different name, different sponsor, he's found a different sponsor to start up this new promotion, um, all the wrestlers at the end would end up raising each other's arms in a circle to end the show so like i said this is the end of the apache army and essentially what happened was um when the sponsor pulled out of the uh apache army and the promotion was gonna have to close takashi sasaki didn't know if he wanted to even start up a new promotion once again you know hey the Apache Army that he started up in 2008 it only made six months before the sponsor pulled out then you know this 2009 Apache Army it only made it about six months before the sponsor pulled out so the you know he's pretty much on gonna be on his third promotion now but Sasaki wants to keep this going you know even though he, he even stated it himself me and Jun Kasai had jobs at Big Japan. We could have just kept going and been fine in Big Japan. And, you know, just let this small promotion just end. But he wanted a home for the winger, Jintaro, Kamui. On top of, he wanted a home for Mama Sasaki and High 69 who's been out since 2007, to have homes to come back to. He doesn't want them to come back from these long-term injuries and just have to start freelancing. He wants a home for them. So, he, you know, that makes him feel like he needs to keep this going and so he's gonna close down the Apache Army you know hey this is my second attempt at the Apache Army this name is soiled by Kanemura it's never going to draw I'm going to start fresh this is gonna be a start over promotion and it's gonna be called freedoms.
0: Takashi Sasaki and Jintaro would officially announce the beginning of the new promotion
1: freedoms on August 14th. What details did they announce about the promotion? So Sasaki and Jintaro, they end up having a press conference announcing that the first show is going to take place on September 2nd at Shinkiba uh, with the semi-main event of Takashi Sasaki, Jun Kasai, and Great Kojika going up against the Brahmin brothers in Ken 45. So the feud's going to continue with the Brahmin brothers, but it's not going to be a main event feud any longer because the main event is going to be Jintaro and the winger teaming up against mystery opponents, and the opening match is going to be mystery, um, uh, two mystery wrestlers taking on one another. Um Takashi Sasaki kind of goes over what the changes of this new freedoms promotion is gonna be which is there's not gonna be death matches it's gonna be just straight matches big Japan is doing the death matches they don't want to be big Japan light obviously you know like I said big Japan is clicking with the crowd and everything they can't compare to big Japan so why even try and compete with them Um, so let's just have straight matches let's be different than what big Japan is doing there's also the aspect of freedom stands for the wrestlers being able to free be able to be freelance all these wrestlers you don't you know when usually if you're working for a promotion you need permission from the office to go work for another promotion not this freedom not this promotion you know if you find a booking you're good to you know work wherever you want as long as you're available a day that freedoms is working a show so you know you're free you know these wrestlers are free to work DDT big japan anywhere they want to get booked they can there's no not gonna be any issues every wrestler is free as long as you're available on the day that a freedoms show is taking place
0: freedoms would run their first show on september 2nd at shinkiba what happens on the show and how did the show do
1: yeah so to start the show all five wrestlers would come to the ring so uh kamui the winger jintaro junkasai and takashi sasaki they all come to the ring and introduce the brand new promotion freedoms and this show would do really well um they would announce 320 fans and there's a, a good amount of people in the crowd it looks you know like a almost sell out they even show at the beginning of the video um for the show that there was a line outside shinkiba wanting to see this new promotion and um so it's kind of like what the apache army was at the very beginning last year uh, in June 2008 when Takashi Sasaki restarted how there was some interest in this new you know, promotion. So the very first Freedoms match would actually be Takashi Sasaki taking on Jintaro. They are the mystery opponents the mystery first match for the promotion um, and in this match Jintaro would end up throwing uh, Takashi Sasaki into the ropes and getting Takashi Sasaki in an abdominal stretch with the Sasaki uh, countering it but Jintaro would end up bringing Sasaki down to the mat and getting the wins, so Jintaro ends up winning the very first Freedoms match against um, the Freedoms president Takashi Sasaki, and then Ricky Fuji and Koji Nakagawa, they're gonna team up so the FNW team's gonna take on Masashi Takeda and Kida Yano uh, and in this match, Ricky would end up hitting a DDT on Yano, but Takeda would end up hitting him with a spear uh, Nakagawa would then end up sending Takeda out of the ring, and Ricky would end up doing a baseball slide, but Yano would end up lifting up the ring cover apron and both Takeda and Yano would end up wrapping this cover around Ricky. Uh, Nakagawa would end up coming in and helping Ricky and wrapping um, the cover around Takeda and Yano, and then they would end up all fighting outside uh, as the referee is about to count everyone out. Uh, Ricky would end up getting back in with Yano pulling his pants down, uh, and then Ricky and Nakagawa would both not make it in, and Takeda and Yano would end up getting the win over Ricky and Nakagawa via countout. And then the semi-main event would be Takashi Sasaki, Junkasai, and the Great Kajika taking on the Brahmin Brothers in Ken 45. So uh, the Great Kajika, he's going to be a regular here um, with Freedoms. That's going to be something different about um, the Freedoms promotion than what the Apache Army was doing. Um, So Great Kajika here, he's inserting himself into the Brahmin Brothers feud. Um, And in this match, they would start off by brawling all over the building with Kajika going up the bleachers and attacking one of the Brahmin Brothers with an umbrella. Uh, They would end up getting back in the ring with Kajika putting the Iron Claw on Ken-45 when both Brahmin brothers would end up spitting the Indian ink in Kajika's face and then placing Ken over Kajika for the win. So um, the Brahmin brothers, you know, like I said, Kajika's now going to kind of have all this long-term feud with the Brahmin brothers um, in the Freedoms promotion as, like I said, Kajika is going to be a regular here. And then the main event's going to be Jintaro and the Winger taking on to Jiri and Takamichinoku. so this outside team taking on the Freedoms team Uh, Jintaro and the winger would end up sending uh, Tajiri into the ropes, with Tajiri delivering a handspring elbow, and then um, he would end up nailing Jintaro in the head with a buzzsaw kick for the win. This is a really slow match. It was, I would consider a disappointment. There really wasn't too much of note on, you know, for a uh, 20 minute match. Takashi Sasaki would end up coming out afterwards and inviting Tajiri to become a regular with Freedoms, as the hustle promotion that Tajiri was booking for um, had recently closed down at this and so. Tajiri would end up accepting so Tajiri is also going to be a regular for this promotion So this is something different that the freedoms is going to try to do that the apache army wasn't doing where They're you know going to bring in outside talent to be regular workers for the promotion for short short short-term period of time And that's what freedoms would kind of continue to do I mean they're still doing that to this day where they'll bring in an outside wrestler or two and have them be a regular Wrestler there for a couple months because it's such a small promotion you know to kind of keep things fresh They're going to have, you know, just kind of this rotating door of outside talent coming in, working for a couple months, and then finishing up. And so that's going to be kind of the new uh, thought process, the new uh, method that Freedoms is going to do that the Apache Army was not doing.
0: Mr. Gomeske would promote his first show since his retirement late last year on September 5th at Chinkiba. Can you go over the main event of the show?
1: Yeah, so since retirement, Ganesuke's been training the Ice Ribbon Girls the last eight months or so, and he's decided that he wants to get back into promoting his own shows. Um, And so he's going to promote his own show, uh, obviously without him wrestling on it for the first time, since he retired back in December. And on this show, um, he ends up announcing a sellout crowd of 350 fans, so this was a successful show for him. He made uh, a decent amount of money on the show, and the whole premise of this new promotion that he's going to continue to run every so often is, you know, without him, Wrestling, he's going to book kind of these dream independent shows. So, like the main event is going to be yuko Miyamoto teaming up with Kenny Omega. Miyamoto being the Big Japan Deathmatch Champion, teaming up with Kenny Omega, who's working for DDT. They're going to take on Masato Tanaka, who's working for Zero One, and he Masato Tanaka is going to team up with Minio Fujita, um, who's regularly working for tetsumi Fujinami's Tradition promotion at this point. So it's kind of like these two top two top guys, Omega and, and Masato Tanaka as well as um, the two Ganosuke students, Miyamoto and Vegeta. And in this match, uh, Kenny Omega would end up throwing Minio Vegeta out of the ring with uh, Miyamoto taking Vegeta up the bleachers and then throwing Vegeta into the crowd. Um, They would end up getting back in the ring and exchanging shops with one another before uh, Fujita would end up tagging in Tanaka who would end up hitting a suplex on Miyamoto off the top turnbuckle and then hitting him with a powerbomb followed by hitting a superfly splash. And then Tanaka would end up charging at Miyamoto who would end up getting up and then hitting a fire thunder on Tanaka. Um, Vegeta and Omega, they would end End up coming in, and Vegeta would begin striking at Omega, and then hitting a tilt-a-whirl, and then uh, trying to backslide Omega with Tanaka coming in and hitting a sliding D on Omega, with T- Miyamoto having to make the save for Kenny. Um, Vegeta would then end up climbing the top rope with Miyamoto grabbing Vegeta's leg, and then Omega would end up climbing the top rope and hitting a suplex on Vegeta, followed by a fire- his fireball spot, and then his hitting the Kreutz Wrath suplex for the win over Minio Fujita, so Kenny Omega and uh, Yuko Miyamoto get the win, and then afterwards Ganesuke would end up coming to the ring, and they would end up all doing a countdown with a chant, with Omega doing it way too long, and Ganesuke would end up scolding him for messing it up at the end, so it's kind of this comedy uh, routine that Ganesuke's gonna do, and Omega, um, you know, didn't know any better, because he's the foreigner, so, um, this is gonna be, you know, like I said, Ganesuke's new way of promoting where he's not gonna be the main draw anymore, obviously, it's gonna be hey i'm gonna get top guys to fight against each other that you wouldn't think you know a ddt guy team up with a big japan guy going up against the zero one guy and you know things like that are going to be the new norm for um this promotion this uh, semi-promotion that's going to run every three or four months
0: xwf would return to hold another show on september 6th in osaka can you go over the main event
1: yeah, so this is going to be the second XWF show. And the main event is going to be Kentaro Kanemura, Hideki Osaka, and Yusaku Obata taking on Masato Tanaka, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and Madaka. And in this match, Hideki Osaka would end up delivering a super power bomb off the top to Madaka. And then Madaka would end up getting thrown into the ropes, but he would end up coming back with a double drop kick to both Kanemura and Hosaka, sending them out of the ring. And then Madaka would end up hitting an Asai moonsault outside the ring. Kanemura would end up coming back into the ring and trying to suplex Kuroda, but Madaka would end up coming off the top and hitting a flying drop kick on Kanemura, followed by Tanaka giving an elbow to Kanemura, and then Kuroda would end up hitting a suplex, and then finish Kanemura off with a lariat for the win, and so this is just how the promotion is gonna be, um, there's real no direction, there's real nothing happening other than, let's just try and draw as much as we can for these small little shows, which are doing okay if that, you know, let's have these former FMW wrestlers team up with a junior heavyweight, and see, you know, the try and help the match out and the matches I'm sure are okay with these with the, the main events are at least okay but there's nothing that's making the fans you know oh I want I'm a diehard xwf fan I want to continue to um see this promotion I want to see this promotion grow no there's just nothing really to it it's just a small independent show um that's essentially there to get people work but you know because of all the issues prior, you know, this promotion has a bad stigma to it, and it's not going to last very long under this direction, and and uh, eventually this promotion's not going to make it. You know, I mean, these... This show and the show in May are, you know, miracles that they were even able to happen to begin with after um, the previous two Corrigan Hall shows were canceled. And essentially everyone thought this promotion was on Death's Door. Um, But like I said, they're at least able to run every four months or so. Um, I mean, I think the next show even is going to be April 2010. So they're going to go seven months before the next show. So there really is just no plan with this promotion and it's going to suffer as a result.
0: Onita would promote another show on September 26th in Shinkiba. Can you go over his match and what happened
1: at the end of the show? Yeah, so this is going to be Onita's first promoted show since April, and on this show, Onita's going to team up with Grand Hamada and Katsunari Toye, and they're going to take on the team of Ichiro Yaguchi, uh, Leatherface, and Goku Aku Yumibozo, who is a former wing and war wrestler, uh, and in, on this match, uh, Onita would end up accidentally spitting green mist in uh, Grand Hamada's face, with uh, Ichiro Yaguchi then hitting Onita with the lariat, followed by Yuguchi hitting uh, Hamada with the power powerbomb through the barbed wire board. Um, Onita would end up having to make the the save for Hamada, Goku Aku would end up grabbing Onita's arms, and then Yaguchi would end up charging at Onita, but Onita would end up moving out of the way with Yaguchi uh, hitting Goku Aku instead. Onita would then end up spitting green mist in Goku Aku's face, and then hit a power bomb on him. With Hamada and Toye then throwing Goku Aku into the barbed wire board, and then Onita would end up hitting a thunder fire power bomb on Goku Aku for the win. Um, Onita would then end up doing his Onita Theater, and then afterwards, Tarzan. Goto would end up walking into the ring. Uh, Goto would end up acting like he's going to fight Onita, but then would end up putting his hand out with Onita shaking it as Goto would end up walking off. And so the significance of this is, you know, I talked about it in a previous episode uh, back in 2001, Goto and Onita they had um, agreed to work with one another and in a feud. You know, going back to 1995, even um, Onita and Goto had differences that made Goto leave F right before Onita was retiring and, you know, there was personal dislike between the two. There was a real conflict. Well, then, you know, six years later, they agree to work with one another in 2001, and they have a feud in uh, Onita's promotion. Well, now here we are in 2009, and now uh, Goto is agreeing to actually team up and partner with Onita. So this is going to be the first time in 14 years that Onita and Goto are going to eventually uh, partner up with one another. Big Japan would hold a special Romeo vs. Juliet themed show on
0: October 1st in Yokohama. Can you go over what this was and the main event?
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna try my best to explain everything here. I don't personally comprehend everything that is going on, but on this show, uh, Big Japan would run uh, at the Yokohama Red Brick Warehouse where there it would be a Romeo and Juliet Theme show so all the big Japan wrestlers are under Romeo and Juliet characters on this show So you have Junkasai as Romeo, Jackie Numizawa as Juliet, uh, Min's Teo as Paris, um, Daisuke Sekimoto as T-Balt, and Takashi Sasaki as Mercutio. Um, and so on this show it's a little different than the Romeo and Juliet at least I know and I'm not by no means a Romeo and Juliet expert. But um, in the semi-main event, um, Nikushio, played by Takashi Sasaki. He ends up pinning uh, T Bolt, Daisuke Sekimoto. And I know in Romeo and Juliet, there's a fight between the two. Um, Well,. In, on this show, the Big Japan show, um, when Sakimoto and Sasaki are fighting, Junkasai, Romeo comes in with scissors, and in the storyline, Romeo comes in with the natural knife, Well, Junkasai comes in with the, with um, scissors, and he ends up charging at uh, both of them, trying to end the fight, Well, Junkasai ends up stabbing Mercutio, and um, Takashi Sasaki, and, which who's supposed to be his best friend in the story, um, so Takashi Sasaki ends up passing away, Which based off Romeo and Juliet is actually should have been Sekimoto Hebalt killing uh, Sasaki Mercutio. So Mercutio ends up dying and uh, Junkasai ends up getting banished from the area. Uh, so Romeo is kicked out and he, you know, is so sad because he's going to leave Juliet Jackie Numizawa to be left alone with Paris, Teo, Min's Teo. Um, Paris and uh, Juliet are supposed to get married and so Jackie Numizawa is supposed to marry Min's Teo here. And like I said, Junkasai ends up getting banished um, in the this play and then uh so so Jun Kasai ends up getting banished and uh Jackie Numazawa is so upset by this he ends up drinking poison to kill himself because uh uh Romeo Kasai being banished so then act five which is going to be the main event of the show um it it starts off with Jackie Numazawa being stretchered into the ring as if he has passed away from the poison um Paris Thea, who is supposed to marry Juliet uh, ends up coming to the ring trying to get him to come back to life uh, But what eventually would end up happening is Because would actually end up getting brought back to the ring in this cat this uh, that's big enough for a casket for him to fit in But it's actually the outside is a priority mail um, package So I don't really I don't really understand the concept of that exactly of what's <laughs> about this part so anyway um, uh, Kasai ends up coming out of the box as if he's back, and he ends up coming into the rink. So then uh, Numizawa ends up getting up, so uh, Julia has come back to life here, and uh, Kasai has two uh, different bottles, one red and one green, and... I mean, I'm gonna guess that the green is poison, but I don't know, maybe the red's poison as well, or some type of healing. I don't, this is another aspect I don't understand of the story. But anyway, um, so he ends up handing Numizawa the red bottle, and and he drinks it, and uh, Kasai ends up drinking the green bottle. So again, maybe, it's, maybe they're both drinking poison, and they're supposed to both die like Romeo and Juliet, but again, another aspect of the story I don't fully uh, understand. So they would end up having a match after all this. Um, so uh, Kasai would end up placing Numazawa on a table outside the ring and then climbing up a scaffold and diving off of it, sending Numazawa through the table. Um, Numazawa would end up pouring thumbtacks in the ring and then suplexing Kasai off the scaffold onto the thumbtacks. And then Numazawa would end up doing a flip off the top rope breaking a light tube over Kasai and eventually uh, Kasai would end up hitting a Lariat and then placing a light tube over Numizawa and then hitting a Pearl Harbor splash off the scaffold for the win, and then afterwards, Numizawa would end up getting up, and, uh, like, he's risen from the dead as well, or he's come back to life, and, uh, Numizawa and Kasai would end up kissing to end the show, so, something very strange, it was just something that Big Japan liked, liked to do, I think this was a great Kojika idea, um, you know, he, something that he was interested in, and seeing, you know, his world play, um, characters, uh, to some, a story that he, I'm sure, was a big fan of, and, you know, again, It's very interesting. It's very uh, unique. Um, Again, I personally don't... Can't follow everything, especially not really understanding all the language that's being said. And, and again, it looks like they kind of switched the storyline as well um, based off of the original Romeo and Juliet that I know about. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend watching it, but not watching it for the wrestling aspect. The show, the matches themselves are, the match itself is nothing special. Um, but, you know, as far as just interesting uh, and different, this show definitely uh, was that.
0: Freedoms would return to Shinkiba on October 14th.
1: Can you go over what happened at this show? Yes, yeah, so they would end up announcing a crowd of 254 fans for this show, which is down um, from the first show uh, a month ago, but it's also better than what uh, the Apache Army was doing. Um, although, uh, Freedoms is bringing in bigger names for these shows, you know, like Abdullah Kobayashi and Tajiri. Um, so, you know, it's just, it is, uh, has a different feel to it than what the Apache Army promotion was doing. Um, but on this show, uh, Ricky Fuji would end up teaming up with the Winger uh, to take on Antonio Honda and Kita Yano. So, um, no more Koji Nakagawa. I think at this point that Takashi Sasaki kind of felt like N- Nakagawa, um, has hit a point where there was no need to book him, you know, Nakagawa's body just wasn't that of a pro wrestler anymore, and, you know, for him to continue to regularly, uh, book him and, you know, use him as a regular when he doesn't have the star name value, he doesn't have, um, the body really of a pro wrestler anymore, and, you know, Nakagawa was always, He's, you know, good at best, but mostly, you know, just a standard average wrestler for for the most part of his career and by no means a star. So there was really no point in book continuing to book him anymore other than the fact that he had an FMW name and he's friends with Ricky Fuji. And, you know, Ricky, although... Um, You know, kind of having the same thing as Nakagawa, just being, you know, mostly considered an average wrestler. Um, You know, the one thing, though, Ricky still has the body of a wrestler. He's still tan. He still has the long blonde hair. He still has, you know, the muscles and everything. Whereas Nakagawa, who's just been naturally um, skinny his whole career and had to really work on getting uh, a wrestler's build in his prime, in his 20s, you know, at this point, he's only working once a month. And so he's not, as a wrestler, and so he's not training like he, you know, like he needs to to really continue to have that wrestler look and as a result he's no longer going to get booked as a regular uh, in freedoms. I think he'd only wrestle one more time uh for freedoms and that would be you know in eight months later. So Ricky Fuji and the winger would end up teaming up to take on Antonio Honda and Kitty Yano. Uh, Ricky would end up facing off against Yano while the winger would end up going up against Honda and then Ricky and the winger would end up throwing Yano and Honda into each other with Ricky and the winger trying to do dual kamikazes with Honda and Yano both being able to get out and then hitting drop kicks on Ricky and the winger. They would end up brawling outside the ring with Ricky trying to get back in but Yano pulling down Ricky's pants again and then they would end up teasing the count out spot once again but this time Ricky would manage to get back in the ring with his pants still hanging down and then uh, Ricky would end up hitting a kamikaze on Yano for the win, so Ricky Fuji and the winger get the win on this show and then um, and then Greg Kajika would take on the Brahmin Brothers and Ken 45 in a 3 on 1 handicap match, uh, and in this match uh, the Brahmin Brothers and Ken 45, they would end up hitting a triple drop kick on Kajika and then act like they're going to spit the Indian ink in Kajika's face when Kazuhiko Ogasawara would end up coming into the ring and helping Kajika, and he would end up uh, getting the Indian ink shot in his face instead, and then Um, And then Kamui would end up coming to the ring and helping Kajika out when Kajika would eventually end up putting the iron claw on Key for the win. so, Great Kajika ends up defeating both Brahmin Brothers and Ken45 in this match. Uh, Kesuhiko Ogasawara, he is a, a 0-1 uh, wrestler from the early days of 0-1. Um, so, he had a um, karate background, and he's actually going to be uh, brought in as a regular as well for Freedoms here for the next uh, year or so. Um, and he's going to be siding up with Great Kajika. And then the main event is Takashi Sasaki, Junkasai, and Masashi Takeda taking on Tajiri, Minoru Fujita, and Ab- Dula Kobayashi, and in this match, Sasaki would end up blocking a Tajiri kick, and end up giving a kick to Tajiri's head instead, and then Sasaki would end up hitting a dj on Tajiri, followed by um, the charging at Tajiri, but Tajiri would end up moving out of the way, and Sasaki would end up running into the referee, and then Tajiri would end up spitting green mist in Takashi Sasaki's face, and then follow that up with Tajiri uh, hitting Sasaki in the head with the buzzsaw kick. For the win, and so you know, Tajiri now is gonna be the top heel in the promotion going forward with his his group uh, going up against Takashi Sasaki. Um, You know, like I said, it's just what Freedom's is gonna do, where they're gonna bring in an outside um, name, uh, an outside person that has a name like Tajiri, and they're gonna have a you know a small little feud that will run a couple months, and then you know after they're done, Tajiri will go elsewhere, and that's pretty much you know this is for something for Tajiri to do in between. You know, like I said, Tajiri. Tajiri's hustle promotion has closed down recently, and um, in the next couple months, Tajiri's going to start up his own smash promotion. So in between, Tajiri here is going to work for Freedoms.
0: Zero One would hold a show on October 24th at Corrigan Hall with Toshiaki Kawada taking on Masada Tanaka for the heavyweight title. Can you go over this match and how it came to be?
1: Yeah, so the last couple years, Zero One has been struggling. Um, They've kind of been going through what Takashi Sasaki went through with the Apache Army, just a higher scale, where they've been losing sponsors um, and having to change their promotion around based off finding a new sponsor. And so, you know, they're just trying to find anything that can click. They've really just been struggling ever since Shinya Hashimoto, um, who who was the ace of the promotion, passed away even though um, Hashimoto was actually out injured um, at the time of his passing and probably was not... Not going to come back to Zero One due to issues that he um, had with the promotion at the time, but who knows? I mean, Zero One still treats you know the memory of Shinya Hashimoto as you know he is our founder. He is who started it. He's you know the, the kind of how all Japan is with um, Giant Baba or Noah is with Mitsuharu Misawa. You know that's how Zero One feel. You know is with Shinya Hashimoto, and you know they've never really been able to discover a new ace um, in the last decade or so. So anyway um at this point they're trying to find whatever can click and you know they reach out to Toshiaki Kawada who you know obviously has is one of the biggest stars in Japanese wrestling and you know Kawada at this point is doing freelance work he's he's uh, been working for Hustle and he's worked for Noah in the past so he comes into 01 here and the deal that they have with Kawada 01 they go if you come in you can book your whole program, whatever you want to do while you're in 01. So this is everything that Kawada um, does you know is doing in 01, this is his call. He want you know it's not someone telling him what to do. It's Kawada going, okay, I'm gonna do this, this, and this. And so with Kawada coming in, Kawada decides that he's going to uh, you know, challenge for Masato Tanaka's world heavyweight title. So on, um, on this show, it's going to be Kawada versus Masato Tanaka. Um, you know, FMW versus All Japan match from the 90s. Um, and in this match, Tanaka, he would end up um, putting Kawada on a table on the outside, and then Tanaka would end up climbing up the top turnbuckle, but Kawada would end up getting up and then picking up Tanaka and just dropping him on the table and then doing it again in a... Um, both times the table not breaking so this looks very painful for Tanaka with his um, butt pretty much just falling on the table both times without it breaking. Um, Tanaka ended up coming back and hitting a lariat on Kawada followed by hitting a brain buster and then going for a sliding D but Kawada would end up moving out of the way and then hitting Tanaka with a lariat and then getting Tanaka in the in the stretch plum and then eventually Tanaka would end up coming back with a sliding D to Kawada's leg making Kawada fall down um, so that Tanaka could hit the sliding D and then Tanaka would Ended up charging at Kawada, who ended up nailing Tanaka with a high kick to the head, and then Kawada ended up nailing Tanaka with a powerbomb, and then began hitting Tanaka with his um, elbows before putting Tanaka away with a running face kick. So Kawada defeats Masada Tanaka, and is now the World Heavyweight Champion in 0-1. So like I said, Kawada is coming in, and he has decided, okay, you know, you're going to bring me in. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to book myself as champion. So I'm going to, you know, give me the belts, and I'm going to have have a run as champion where I'm going you know I'm gonna have these great matches with your talent um, so essentially that's what the this is the beginning of the Kuwata era for 0-1 and it would eventually you know Kuwata would hold about for a good couple of months before dropping it to Kohei Sato in 2010 um, and eventually um, that would pretty much be the end of Kuwata's career I think he'd wrestle a couple more matches into 2010 but you know this is nearing the end of Toshiaki Kuwata's career this would be pretty much the last title that he would win in his career
0: tarzan goto would hold a press conference to announce the start of a new fmw promotion What's gonna be the name of this new promotion?
1: So Tarzan Goto announces that he's gonna start up his own FMW promotion. It's gonna be called Shin FMW. Just like uh, Shin Wing started up early in the year, this is gonna be Shin FMW, some new the new FMW. And you know Tarzan Goto is acting like, hey, this is gonna be the restart of FMW, the old FMW that I did with Oni, you know, me and Onita were doing in the in the nineties. Um and he announces that the first show is going to take place at Shinkiba on December twenty fourth, and this is going to be you know nothing like Onita's FMW or even you know um, the Fuki Hayabusa FMW or anything like this. This is going to be as indie as you can get. You know when Tarzan go to left, um in nineteen ninety five, um, you know and he started up kind of like oh I'm doing the real FMW and you know he would help hold his own shows with the FMW name even though um, you know again you can't le- he can't legally call it FMW. FMW, but he can add another word to it like real FMW or how he's doing it here with shin FMW But you know these were he would you know in by 97 or so these were very small You know very sleazy indie shows that Tarzan Goto was doing in 97 and pretty much That's what these shows are going to be and we'll, like I said we'll go over them here But these are definitely not going to be anywhere near the level of the original FMW And that's kind of what he's kind of promoting trying to promote here. Hey, this is nostalgia This is the FMW that you remember but it, by, by no means is it really going to be.
0: Freedoms would hold another show on November 11th at Shinkiba. What took place on this show?
1: So on this show, they would end up announcing a crowd of 209 fans. So the number is dropping um, for each Shinkiba show. You know, they're still doing better than what the Apache Army was doing earlier in the year. And, you know, the sponsor is willing to put in more money um, for this promotion. But, you know, this promotion is still not considered, you know, a big independent promotion by any means. This is still a very small promotion at the time, only running one time a month um, at Shinkiba. And, you know, this is... Uh, this Freedoms is very different than what the Freedoms of today is and you know and the Freedoms of today 10 years later is by no means a big promotion you know now yeah they can run Cork and Hall now um, which is a much bigger deal than or much bigger thing than what this you know version of the, the very first version of Freedoms is but you know again this is a very small promotion and it's going to sh- continue to struggle and they're not going to pay the wrestlers very much money or anything like that um, it's just kind of trying let's just see if we can make it, if we can, you know, not lose that much money, and if we can, you know, keep everyone employed, and so that's what this Freedoms is, and um, like I said, it's very different than what the Freedoms is today, 10 years later, and then on this show, the Brahman Brothers and Kin45, they team up to take on Ricky Fuji, Kamui, and Antonio Honda, who is a DDT wrestler, Um, they would all end up brawling up the bleachers to start the match, Uh, Ricky and uh, Honda, they would eventually end up getting back in the ring and trying to um, hit spinning discus punches on on one of the Brahmin brothers and Ken 45 but Ken 45 and the Brahmin brother would eventually end up moving out of the way and Ricky would end up uh, and and Ricky and Honda would end up accidentally punching each other the Brahmin brothers in Ken 45 then would end up triple teaming Kamui with all three giving Kamui a kick to the head Kamui would eventually end up coming back in the uh, with a Pele kick on uh, Brahmin brother's shoe Um, but he would eventually end up hitting the ropes to charge and end up being hit in the back by a kendo stick from Brahmin and Key and then uh, Key would end up spitting Indian ink uh, at Kamui, with Shu uh, hitting a Michinoku driver on Kamui for the win, so the Brahmin Brothers, you know, they've been kind of moved down to the mid-card, undercard of the shows they still have, you know, are regulars for the promotion, but, you know, they're still a, you know, somewhat protected heel team here and then the main event's going to be Great Kojika, Takashi Sasaki, Junkasai, and the winger taking on Tajiri, Minoru Fujita, Takuya Sugawara, and Abdullah Kobayashi in a Captain's Falls elimination match with Kojika and Tajiri as the captains. Um, in this match, they would all uh, start off by brawling all over the building as well with Kojika um, using all the wrapped up streamers um, that were thrown in the ring. And he starts choking Kobayashi with them. All of the Tajiri army guys, they would end up getting Kojika in the corner and begin stomping away at him as uh, to Sasaki, Kasai, and the winger they would interject and help Kajika with Kasai going for a Pearl Harbor slash on Sugawara but he would end up missing and then the winger would end up getting tagged in but Sugawara would end up covering him and Kajika would end up trying to make the save by dropping a knee but Sugawara would end up moving out of the way and Kajika would end up accidentally dropping the knee on the winger's throat allowing uh, Fujita to pin him to eliminate the winger and then um, Jun Kasai and Abdullah Kobayashi, they would begin going at it with them fighting at the top of the turnbuckle before both of them would end up falling on the apron, and then Kajiko would end up rushing and knocking both of them out of the ring, so Kasai and Kobayashi, they end up getting uh, both eliminated by being thrown over the top rope. Sugawara and Fujita, they then grab Kujika and toss him over the top rope, but Kujika would end up falling on the ramp of Shinkiba, so, you know, the entrance ramp, and so Fujita, even though he went over the top and out of the ring, he didn't, his feet didn't touch the floor because he just hit the ramp that's connected to the ring, And, and then so Fujita and Sugawara, they think they've eliminated Kujika, but since Kujika's feet didn't touch, he's safe, and then Kujika ends up putting the claw on both Fujita and Sugawara, and then tossing them both over the top to eliminate both of them. And then that leaves uh, Takashi Sasaki and Great Kajika to um, double-team Tajiri. Sasaki would end up holding Tajiri with Kajika throwing powder, but Tajiri would end up moving out of the way, and Kajika would end up getting Sasaki in the face instead, so Kajika just keeps screwing up here uh, against all his partners. Um, That would result in Tajiri spitting green mist in Kajika's face and hitting a buzzsaw kick on Kajika for the win. So Tajiri, even though it was two-on-one, he still laid, Able to get the pinfall over Kojiko, who's the captain of his team, so the Tajiri team end up getting the win as a result. So can, again, they're going to continue this Tajiri going up, uh, feud um, against Sasaki and the rest of Freedoms here for the next couple months.
0: Harzan Goto would hold another press conference on November 12th to announce his new tag team partner for the first Shin
1: FMW show. Who was it, and what significance was behind it? Yeah, so both Onita and Goto um, attend this press conference to announce that um, Sushi Onita and Tarzan Goto, they're going to team up for the very first time since 1995 at this Shin FMW show um, in Shinkiba on December 24th. And I went over it on the first half of 1995 episode where, you know, Onita and Goto, there was a legit... Um, heat between there was legit heat between the two. They did not like each other as a result of Tarzan Gotō leaving right before Sushi Onita's retirement show. You know, Gotō was originally going to face off against Onita at uh, Onita's retirement show. Um, you know, they didn't really did not get along. Um, they decided that they were willing to work with one another in 2001, and that's probably where the heat really kind of you know ended. You know, where the two were willing to work with one another um, in you know tag matches and stuff for Onita Pro and um, you know. Neither one of them are actually going to do a job to to each other at this point, in, you know, the, in their stages of the career, they're not going to, you know, actually lose to one another. They're going to have a, a partner, a much, you know, lesser known partner lose to, um, you know, lose the tag match instead. So, um... You know, so essentially the feud just kind of ended because Goto's not going to lose to Onita. Onita's not going to lose to Goto. So it just kind of ended in 2001. Well, now they're going to work together once again here. And, you know, now they've, okay, they've already went a year or so of feuding. Now what's the next step? To team up. And so, like I said, this is going to be the very first time since 1995. So at this point, 14, you know, 14 years plus of Goto and Onita finally teaming up with one another.
0: Big Japan would hold a show at Corrigan Hall on November 20th with Jun Kasai taking on Ryuji Ito in a match that
1: would win the Tokyo Sports Match of the Year. Can you go over the match? Yeah, so I talked a lot this episode about, you know, just the resurgence that Big Japan has been going through, where they're really changing their reputation, where they're having awesome matches, both death matches, and then they're also having, you know, awesome Daisuke Sekimoto strong matches as well. So Big Japan is getting, you know, a very positive reputation, and it's not just this uh, crappy Mr. Pogo death match promotion anymore, or anything like that, just light tubes and stuff. You know, they're, like I said, they're having awesome matches, and the crowd is going crazy. For these matches, and this is going to be kind of the climax of the 2009 year for Big Japan here, um, and it's going to be uh, Jun Kasai taking on Ryuji Ito, and really, it's it's a match that really kind of came out of nowhere because you know Ito and Kasai, they're you know at this point they're not even really feuding. And it really is just a 10 year anniversary for both of them at this point so it's really just kind of thrown together um, you know Kasai at this point um, he's actually 11 years into the business Ito this is his tenth year um, but Ito actually made his debut against Jun kasai and like I said earlier you know Ryuji Ito is pretty much the ace regardless of Yuko Miyamoto um, being the champion Ryuji Ito is the top guy he's the John Cena of big Japan um, that's that's how I've always felt because you know Ryuji Ito is a great worker he is the number one guy, Um, but, you know, the crowd still, you know, they don't boo him like WWE fans booed John Cena, but usually when Ryuji Ito takes on somebody else in a big match like this, they're going to go for the other guy, even if that other guy is a heel. So, like I said, this is a, um, you know, kind of out of nowhere match, but... Um, like you said, this would end up winning the match of the year, not only for Tokyo Sports, which this is the very first death match to win, um, a Tokyo Sports match of the year, uh, since the Onita Goto exploding barbed wire match in 1990, so it's been 19 years since a death match has won, um, as one uh, match of the year but this is also um, considered the independent match of the year as well Um, and this is going to be a Razor Cross death match so there's going to be a Razor Cross board. Ito would end up getting Kasai out of the ring and then jumping to the middle of the top rope and um, jumping off to the outside but Kasai would end up moving out of the way and then Kasai and Ito they would end up both going into the crowd with Ito bringing a table with him as he would end up setting the table in the crowd and then deliver a dragon splash off the entrance ramp, sending Kasai through the table. They would eventually end up coming back into the ring with Ito trying to send Kasai in the corner into the Razor Cross board, but Kasai would end up reversing it and sending Ito into it instead, followed by Kasai smashing a chair over Ito's head, and then setting up the Razor Cross board on two chairs and trying to suplex Ito but Ito would end up managing to escape and hit a Hurricane Rana on Kasai, sending him into the Razor Cross board instead. Kasai would then end up kicking Ito low, but as he would end up charging at Ito, he would be met with a drop toll hold, and Kasai would end up going face first into the Razor Cross board, and then Ito would start throwing Kasai's head into the Razor board. Ito would then end up picking up Kasai and shoving his back into the Razor Cross board, and then Ito would end up placing a cacti with barbed wire wrapped around. Around it on Kasai and hit a dragon splash on Kasai, with Kasai still managing to kick out. And then Kasai would end up taking Ito outside and suplexing him on a stack of chairs and then placing him on a table and begin taping him up to the table. Um, Kasai would then climb up the balcony of Corrigan Hall and deliver probably the most famous Corrigan Hall balcony dive of Jun career, sending Ryuji Ito through the table in an awesome looking spot, and the crowd is going crazy. They are screaming for Kasai, loudly chanting Kasai out loud. Um, they would end up getting back in the ring and start striking one another before Kasai would end up hitting a lariat and then placing the Razor Cross board on top of Ryuji Ito and then going for a Pearl Harbor Splash but Ryuji Ito would end up turning it around and Kasai would end up landing on the side of the Razor Blades. Ito would then end up pulling out a bucket of Thumbtacks and backdropping Kasai into them and then Ito would end up placing a stack of Light Tubes on Kasai and hitting a Dragon Splash breaking the Light Tubes on Kasai with Kasai still managing to kick it out. Kasai would then end up finding a new source of energy with the fans just chanting for him. They're screaming Kasai, Kasai as Kasai would end up hitting Ito with a lariat on the Razor Cross board followed by a Brain Buster on it and then hitting a reverse Tiger Driver on the barbed wire cacti for the win. And Kasai is just completely shocked that he has won as the fans are going crazy chanting his name. You know, like I said, this is an awesome match. One match of the year. It really is the essentially the perfect Big Japan deathmatch, it's not the best Big Japan deathmatch, I might have even, um, liked, I might have liked the, uh, May match even better, the tag match in May, even better than this, but this is what they were trying to do, just everything with what the Big Japan style of death matches are, what they implemented, what they did, with how hot the crowd is, this is as perfect as you can get, and again, it won match of the year as a result, and, you know, like I said, it's not my favorite match ever, uh, you know, as far as death matches or even my favorite Big Japan match, match of 2009, but I can see why this one match of the year because everything they tried it was a perfect combination of everything Using all the Big Japan style of death matches You know, these two put on a perfect match That they were trying to do And they won match of the year as a result And like I said, an awesome match um, Regardless, fans are screaming for Kasai Kasai was awesome here Ito was awesome here um, Sadly, Jun Kasai, even though he defeats Ryuji Ito He would actually never even get a Big Japan death match shot again Because of politics they no- They're never going to put the title belt on Jun Kasai You know Um, And Ryuji Ito would actually end up getting a title shot A couple months later But Junkasai, because of politics, never gets a shot This really was Junkasai's climax in Big Japan His his top moment of his career In this promotion that he started with Um, And, you know, like I said, awesome match And, you know, it deserves match of the year Even though I wouldn't say it was the best match in Big Japan But again, you know, for what they were doing They couldn't have done it better than what they did here Big
0: Japan would then hold a show on December 4th at the Yokohama Bunka Gym with another title match for Yuko Miyamoto, this time against Takashi Sasaki. What happened in this match?
1: Yeah, so this is going to be the rematch of the awesome Yuko Miyamoto Takashi Sasaki scaffold match that they had in 2007 that really put Miyamoto on the map and is probably one of the main reasons that he's champion at this point because of how awesome that match was. And they're going to have this match at the Yokohama Bunker Gym, so they're hoping that the mystique of that match from two years earlier and just kind of everyone knowing how awesome that match was with it winning All the independent uh, wrestling uh, match of the year back in 2007 That it's going to be able to draw at a bigger building now Um, And so in this match um, They would end up going to the scaffold right away Um, They would end up fighting on top of it And Sasaki would end up grabbing a chair But he would end up tripping on the scaffold And Miyamoto would end up picking up the chair And just smashing it over Takashi Sasaki's head Knocking Sasaki off the scaffold Uh, Sasaki would end up going outside the ring with Miyamoto just diving off the scaffold onto Sasaki in an awesome spot. Miyamoto would end up placing Sasaki on a table and then climbing up the scaffold but Sasaki would end up getting up and climbing up the scaffold and placing a stack of light tubes near Miyamoto's head with Sasaki kicking the light tubes and breaking them against Miyamoto's head and then knocking Miyamoto off the scaffold. Sasaki would then do a diving foot stomp off the scaffold on Miyamoto and eventually they would both end up going back up the scaffold with Sasaki going after Miyamoto with a light tube but Miyamoto would end up grabbing it from Sasaki and smashing it over his head. Miyamoto would then end up hitting Sasaki with the fire thunder off the scaffold through a table in an awesome looking spot. Um, Sasaki would then manage to kick out. And the two would begin striking each other with Sasaki telling Miyamoto, Hey, let's just both go up the scaffold. Let's continue this up the scaffold. So they would end up going up the scaffold together, and Miyamoto would end up picking up Sasaki and hitting a fire thunder on the scaffold on Sasaki. Sasaki would then end up falling off the scaffold, and Miyamoto would end up hitting a moonsault off the scaffold for the win, so Miyamoto ends up getting the win, um, they end up embracing afterwards, and um, this match actually, was I would say, is a disappointment, it's, awso- it's an awesome highlight reel, the spots are awesome in this match, but if you watch the full match altogether, there's a lot of dead air, or a lot of dragging, you know, a lot of nothing happening between spots, but the spots here are awesome, but as far as a whole match, it's nowhere near as good as the 2007 match, even though um, the spots... Even though when I first saw the Fire Thunder off the scaffold for the very first time, it made me scream out loud. And there's not that much that happens in wrestling that makes me scream out loud like that. So there was awesome spots, but as far as a match goes, it was nowhere near uh, the level of what Big Japan's been doing um, the past year as far as just awesome match after match after match.
0: Freedoms would hold another
1: show on December 9th at Shinkiba. What took place on this show? Yes, yeah, so they would end up announcing two hundred and thirty fans for this show, which is a positive in the sense of it didn 't go the number isn 't going down like it had been the last couple months um, you know but that 's just what freedoms is at this point they 're going to do better than what the Apache army is doing, but they 're not doing great numbers even for Shinkiba or anything but you know there 's more resources getting put into this promotion there 's more outside talent um, you know there 's more um, emphasis on this promotion than what the Apache Army was doing and overall freedoms you know. It's like I said earlier, it's not a big promotion. it's not a great promotion or anything like that, but it's a promotion that long, has long-term stability, which the Apache Army was not doing by just drawing such low numbers in the few shows that they were holding. Um, you know these are at least drawing decent numbers. Um, so on this show, Ricky Fuji and Kamui, they're going to team up to take on the Brahmin brothers. Um, the Brahmin brothers would end up going after Ricky and Kamui right away to start the match. And then the Brahmins would end up sending Ricky into the ropes with him clotheslining both Brahmin brothers and then tagging in Kamui who would end up delivering a flying drop kick and then trying for an Acai moonsault before Ken 45 would end up grabbing his leg and pulling him out of the ring and they would end up all brawling up the bleachers once again. They would end up making it back in the ring with Kamui knocking the Brahmins out of the ring and then successfully hitting an Acai moonsault on them. Kamui would then end up hitting a Firebird splash on, but one of the Brahmin brothers would end up bringing in a chair um, and Kamui would end up dropping in their face, but as Kamui would end up going for a flying sidekick, the um, Brahmin brother would end up hitting him, getting a chair and smashing it in Kamui's knee, and then proceeding to uh, put the chair around Kamui's ankle, break Kamui's ankle, and then put Kamui in the sharpshooter with Kamui giving up. So, um, you know, again, the Brahmin brothers, they're in mid card matches at this point. They're regulars, though, and they're going to continue to get protected, especially over Kamui, who is still paying his dues. You know, it's only been a year or so that Kamui has been um, brought back in from, you know, from WMF closing and being allowed to come in to the Apache army, and, you know, he's still going to work his way up the card, um, you know, and as a result, the Brahmin brothers are probably going to beat him every single time they face him. And then the main event is Takashi Sasaki, Jintaro, and Great Kajika taking on Tojiri, Shiro Koshinaka and Hajime Ohara. Ohara was a former hustle wrestler um, along with Tajiri, and he's about to join um Tijiri Smash Promotion when it starts up in March as well. And then Shiro Koshinaka, I've talked about him in the past, you know, he's a former New Japan and All Japan wrestler, so he has um, some credibility brought to him. Um, you know, and again, you know, the fact that Freedoms is bringing in someone like um Shiro Koshinaka. you know, that's something that Takashi Sasaki's Apache Army would never do, you know, they didn't feel like they had the budget to bring in someone of name value like him, but Freedoms is willing to do that they're willing to put the money, you know, the promoter of Freedoms, or the sponsor of Freedoms is willing to put that kind of money to bring in these outside names, and they end up drawing better as a result. Um, in this match, Kajika he would end up going after Koshinaka right away with all six brawling all over the building like usual, they would end up making it back in the ring with Tajiri and Takashi Sasaki going at it, um, with Takashi sending Tajiri into the ropes and Tajiri hitting his handspring elbow on Sasaki. Eventually, Kojika would end up getting tagged in and Tajiri, Ohara, and Koshinaka would end up triple teaming Kojika. Kojika would be in the ring for what would feel like forever. This match ends up going 20 minutes and as I was watching it again, I just couldn't help but notice that Kojika is in the ring just taking on all these guys um, for a majority of the match and Kojika at 70 something years old is just, you know, he's good for his age, but overall you know, I just I don't personally want to watch Kojika uh, Kojika's offense. You know, for eight minutes or so. But like I said, he just it just feels like he's in the ring forever before he finally tags in Takashi Sasaki, who would end up hitting a charging lariat on Ohara. Um, Takashi Sasaki and Chitaro they would end up grabbing Tajiri and hold his arms as Kojika would pull out powder. But Tajiri would end up kicking the powder out of Kojika's hands, and then Tajiri would end up spitting green mist in Kojika's face. Ohara would then try to go for a Michinoku driver on Kojika, but Kojika is not going to take a move like that, so Kojika ends up escaping it and dropping an elbow, followed by Sasaki delivering a kick to Ohara's head as Kojika would then get the pin in the match um, that w- had way too much Kojika in it, and so just at this point, the promotion is kind of focused really around Great Kojika. Um, Takashi Sasaki you know, really respects Great Kojika, he's in charge of Big Japan. Takashi Sasaki's big break really was from um, becoming the Big Japan Deathmatch champion, becoming one of the top guys, guys and you know I feel like this is his way of honoring Kajika as a result, you know. Um the whole first year really is kind of centered around great Kajika um and you know which is fine. Um you know, it's different, but when you have Great Kachika in the offense for a good, you know, seven, eight minutes that the, in a 20-minute match, the match is going to drag, and that's what this match was. It was by no means, you know, good or anything like that, um, but that's just something that Freedoms is going to do. They're going to, you know— Um, the quality of matches really, um, you know, these type of matches, the Shinkiba main events, you know, they're definitely dragging and a lot of it has to do with Great Kajika being 70 years old and being a majority in the match or having control of the offense of the match.
0: Wing would hold a Kanemura 20th anniversary show on December 20th in Nagoya. Can you go over the top matches?
1: The similar man in the show would be um, Mr. Pogo taking on Hito. And Hito would end up going after Mr. Pogo right away as he was uh, walking to the ring. And they would begin fighting in the crowd with Hito pulling out a pair of scissors and begin um, cutting open Pogo's forehead with them and just stabbing Pogo with them. Um, Pogo would then end up coming back and pulling out a sickle and begin uh, cutting Hito with it. Um, but then Pogo would begin pouring lighter fluid all over Hito when Hideki Osaka, he would end up rushing into the ring to help uh, Hito out and he would hold on to Pogo to allow Hito to wrap uh, Pogo's chain around him, his neck and then Hito would end up uh, Throwing Pogo as much as he could over the top rope with a chain around Pogo's neck with uh, Wally Yamaguchi as the referee Calling for the bell giving the referee stoppage the KO win to Hito in a very surprising outcome This is probably Hito's biggest win of his long career at this point and then the main event is Kanamura going back under the wing Kanemura name, teaming up with Masato Tanaka to take on Koei Sato and Koshihiro Kamura. And Kamura had been a former FMW and wing wrestler, as well as um, he had wrestled in DDT um, earlier in the 2000s. Um, Kanamura and Sato, they would start off by striking each other before. Uh, Sato would end up knocking Kanemura to, on the ground and just begin kicking Kanemura hard. Uh, Sato and Kanemura, they would end up up making it to the outside of the ring uh, with Sato just tossing Kanemura into a bunch of empty chairs in the crowd and then Sato would end up going after Kanemura with the chair and then pile driving him on a stack of chairs on the outside. Uh, Kanemura would em- eventually make it back in the ring, and both him and Tanaka, they would end up throwing Kamura in the corner with Kanemura sending Tanaka into the corner, followed by Tanaka um, giving Kimura an elbow, and then Kanemura would end up delivering a suplex to Kimura. Uh, Tanaka would then end up hitting a frog splash. Kanemura would then begin climbing up to the top, and the ceiling would be so low at this building that Kanemura could use it to adjust himself um, before hitting the senton on Kimura for two. And then Kanamura would end up hitting a powerbomb on Kamura, but Kamura would end up grabbing a hold of Kanamura's arm and putting him in a cross arm breaker with Kanemura having to tap out in a sudden surprise ending. Um, so Kamura and Sato get the win over Kanemura on his 20th anniversary show, um, but at this point but at this point Kanemura doesn't really care if he wins or loses as long as he gets his spots in and as long as he has as good a match as possible um that's all he cares about at this point.
0: Mitsuhiro Matsunaga would have his retirement match on December 23rd
1: at the Differ Ariaki. Can you go over this match? So I haven't talked about Mitsuhiro Matsunaga very much in the last couple years. You know, he had um, that feud with Zero-One with Yoshihito Sasaki in uh, 2005. Um, And he ended up coming back in 2006. Um, And then, you know, he kind of disappeared again and showed back up uh, in 2008 and had the um, death match against Shinjiro Otani. And, you know, so he's very, you know, sparse with his um, appearances. You know, his body is breaking down. He can't really wrestle that much, you know. He'll have a nostalgic match. Uh, for Mr. Pogo's promotion or something like that, where he doesn't have to do very much, or you know, a once, you know, one time a year type match with Zero One, where his body is willing to, you know, take the uh brunt of actual you know death match punishment but as far as like running around and taking you know moves and stuff like that Matsunaga's done with that at this point you know he, at this point he also ha- he's had his um Matsunaga Mr. Danger uh steakhouse restaurant for a good you know 12 years and that's his full-time job at this point um you know, wrestling is his second job at this point, although, obviously, the restaurant is popular because of his wrestling name, but you know, he's now at a point, he hasn't really wrestled in over a year, and so he has decided that he wants to retire, and, you know, I mean, he's definitely not making it a big deal, he actually um, works for Noah here, um, you know, who a promotion that he had never worked for, it's actually a Naomichi uh, Morafuji promoted Noah show, um, and it's just kind of in a mid-card match, it's not a big deal, they don't even have a tin bell salute for him afterwards. Um, He is going to take on Akatoshi Saito, um, who was a former wing wrestler, but they go way back even further than that, um, going back to uh, Masashi Ayagi's uh, Karate Dojo in the 80s. That's where they both started up. So, Matsunaga um, picks Saito, and Saito is a Noah wrestler, a regular wrestler at this point, so that's why um, Noah would hold his retirement match, even though he had never worked for the promotion prior to that. Um, And in this match, Matsunaga would end up pulling out his spike and begin stabbing Saito with it. Um, He would continue using it on Saito, but Saito would never actually bleed, so it's this awkward looking spot where Matsunaga looks like he's just trying to cut open uh, Saito with this sharp object, but Saito never actually bleeds because they're in Noah and there's no blood allowed in Noah. Um, Matsunaga would end up biting Saito's leg, but Saito, as Matsunaga would go to stab him, he would end up grabbing uh, Matsunaga and suplexing him, and then hitting Matsunaga with Elaria, and then hitting an Inzaguri. on um, Matsunaga for the win. So this really was nothing much of a match. Um, Saito gets the win. Um, you know, like I said, Matsunaga was, proce- you know, willing to probably take death match kind of blows. But, you know, he, the year prior to the match against Shinjiro Otani, that was his deathmatch retirement. Um, you know, so he's going to have a straight match. And Matsunaga at this point, he's not good at, you know, his body is too broken down. He's too old to be having a straight match. And as a result, you know, there's really, like I said, was nothing much more than just Matsunaga trying to use a spike on Saito, um, and Saito never actually bleeding, and then the first time Saito finally pulls out some wrestling moves, Matsunaga has no chance, and Saito gets pretty much a very easy win, and like I said, you know, there really wasn't too much to this retirement ceremony, essentially all it was was Matsunaga getting on the microphone and saying goodbye to the fans, he would be presented flowers before leaving, Um, and like I said, no tin bell salute or anything like that, Um, the one thing that really kind of saved it, for me at least, was the fact that there was a Fan in the crowd holding up a wing a towel. You know, that was like the one, one at least, callback to Matsunaga's career that, you know, at least there's someone in the crowd. You know, other than that, I feel like most of the fans didn't even really know Matsunaga or care for him because they're NOAA fans and they had no interest in 90s deathmatch wrestling at this point. So it's a shame that, you know, Matsunaga's retirement ceremony overall was, you know, really nothing, you know, for what the career he had and what everything he did. Um, but like I said, I think at this point he just wanted to have a match against Saito having gone way back with him and you know the only way to do that at this point was to have it in Noah." The first
0: Shin FMW show would take place on December 24th at Shinkiba. Can you go over the
1: main event of the show? Yeah, so like I said earlier, this is going to be Sushi Onida and Tarzan Goto's first time teaming up in over 14 years. Um, and they're going to take on Mr. Pogo and Leatherface, who is actually going to be Ichiro Yoguchi wearing the Leatherface mask. Um, Onita would end up going after Leatherface, and Goto would end up going after Mr. Pogo. Um, they would end up brawling all over the building. Um, Onita would begin using one of his flagpoles on Leatherface in the crowd. Um, they would eventually get back in the ring with Goto hitting a lariat on Leatherface and then pulling the mask off to reveal that it a- is, in fact, Ichiro Yaguchi. Um, Pogo would then start to act like he was going to use his sickle on Onita's back, um, but he would literally just just touch Onita's back. This is nothing like what Onita was willing to take in the 90s against um, Pogo, where Pogo was literally stabbing his back and you can see the blood. Pogo was just touching his back with the sickle. Goto would then end up making the save with a chair for Onita, and then Pogo would begin stabbing Goto with the sickle, um, and then Goto would end up grabbing a bottle and breaking it. and then Begin hitting uh, pogo with it uh, in the head um and then goto and onita would end up grabbing pogo and hit a double ddt on him and really very badly ddt might i add and then they would end up wrapping a chain around yaguchi with goto climbing up to the top and delivering a splash on yaguchi as onita would end up throwing yaguchi into a tarzan goto laria for the win and so So by no means is this a good match or anything like that. I'm sure it was awesome live, Um, you know, just seeing all the wrestlers brawl all over the building and just at this point they're all 50 years old also and it's just not reasonable to expect them to be at that level anymore and as a result, you know, when you try and have those, this type of style um, of a match, you know, and you're watching it on tape or something like that, it's going to look really bad and you know, at this point they're all 50 years old also and it's just not reasonable to expect them to be at that level anymore and as a result, you know, when you try and have those this type of style um of a match you know and you're watching it on tape or something like that it's gonna look really bad especially you know with Guys in their 50s that were really just deathmatch wrestlers. So um, overall, I would not consider this show a success. It drew 200 fans, um, but this is what the FMW that you know in 2009. This is they're trying to get the nostalgia fan base, and it's gonna for the next couple you know years. Or so the, uh, the FMW name is gonna be continue to be used by Tarzan Goto, and I continue feud with Mr. Pogo, and that's just what this promotion is gonna be until um, until the very. end. And it's gonna, um, you know, we'll go over it next episode. The very end's gonna look really bad.
0: June Kasai would promote his Christmas deathmatch
1: show on December 25th at Shinkiba. Can you go over some of the matches on the show? Yeah, so they would announce a crowd of 350 fans, which would be a sellout for Shinkiba. And the difference between Freedoms and a Junkasai promoted show is that Freedoms, you know, when they started the promotion, we're not going to have death matches. We're not going to be a mini, you know, Big Japan or try and be just a small Big Japan promotion. You know, we're going to be something different. Well, Junkasai, that's different. Junkasai promoted shows, even though people consider them freedom shows, and they pretty much are, they're still, Freedoms considers them a, a... a different promotion. It's Junkasai, it's not Freedoms. And a Junkasai promoted show, it can have death matches. And on this show, they're going to be all death matches. And I talked about it last episode how, um, you know, Freedoms definitely recognizes that these Junkasai Christmas death match shows, there's something to them because Freedoms or Apache Army, you know, they can struggle to draw 100 fans um, at, at Shinkiba and then they can have a Christmas death match show and it's a sellout. So there's definitely a fan base there. Um, right now, they don't want to over. Overdo it by having too many Junkasai shows. Eventually, um, I would say they would eventually overdo it. But right now, you know, the difference between Freedoms is Freedoms is a straight wrestling promotion, and Junkasai promoted shows are death matches and anything goes. And on this show. So there's going to be this awesome street fight false count anywhere deathmatch between Kamui and Masada. Masada would end up attacking Kamui right away and pulling out a concrete block and begin using it as a weapon. Um, Kamui would eventually come back and hit an Aasai moonsault to the outside and begin brawling with Masada up the bleachers with Masada just tossing Kamui down the bleachers. Um, they would eventually fight outside Shinkiba with the automatic door of Shinkiba coming up and then Kamui would end up getting in his car and turn Turning it on. And then Masada would end up coming over with Kamui opening the door to hit Masada. So Kamui uses his own um, door car door as a weapon. Kamui would then end up driving into Shinkiba and hitting Masada with his car. Masada would then grab a concrete block and throw it at Kamui's windshield with it cracking the windshield. Kamui would then end up, Kamui would then get out of the car and throw Masada into the car and then place a chair where he would have a running start to fling himself onto Masada on the car to get a two count. Kamui would then end up jumping off the car onto Masada with Masada kicking him and picking him up to powerbomb Kamui, throwing him into the back of the windshield, which would break everywhere. That's an awesome looking spot. Masada would then cover Kamui on the car, but Kamui would still kick out. Kamui would then end up coming off the top rope to send Masada to the roof of the car and then hit a swanton bomb off the top rope, landing on Masada on the roof of the car. And then Kamui would end up hitting a DDT and then trying to go back to the top with Masada getting up and suplexing Kamui off the top turnbuckle to the roof of the car. Masada would then try for a death belly bomb, but Kamui would be able to escape and climb up to the top turnbuckle and dive off of it at Masada with Masada kind of catching him and powerbombing Kamui onto the roof of the car for a two count. Masada would then hitting up hitting a brain buster on the roof of the car for a two count and then a pile driver on the roof before finally finishing off Kamui with a Death Valley bomb on the roof of the car. For- for the win, and like I said, this is an awesome match, it's um, definitely my favorite Apache Army Freedoms match of 2009, it's um, creative, what is willing to do like I said, this was actually his own car that he used, and was willing to get it totaled to have this kind of a match, um, you know they've tried to do some matches similar in Freedoms, with Kamui using automobiles and nothing is ever compared to just what the original, what this was, and like I said, it's only the second match on the show, and it is the show stealer for me personally, even though, hey, oh go over here in a second, the main event is awesome as well, so I just, you know, if you ever have a chance, watch this match, it's only 13 minutes, but just what all they do to cram in as much as they can, um, you know, and like I said, this is a super creative match, and what Kamui was willing to do, what he was willing to put his body through, um, you know, I can't say more than what I've already said, but, you know, definitely check this out, Um, definitely an awesome match overall. And then the next match is Takashi Sasaki taking on Ricky Fuji in a thumbtacks death match. And Takashi, um, he would end up grabbing the thumbtacks bucket, um, but Ricky would end up kicking him, causing him to fall, and the thumbtacks to land on him. And then Ricky would end up putting uh, the bucket over Takashi Sasaki's head. And then Ricky would slam Takashi Sasaki on the thumbtacks. But when Ricky would end up getting Takashi Sasaki in the corner, Takashi would end up pulling his pants down halfway and powerbombing Ricky into the thumbtacks. Sasaki then would end up pulling his pants down as well and delivering a Tornado DDT on the Thumbtacks. Ricky would end up coming back with a Kamikaze on the Thumbtacks. As well as hitting a Hurricane Rana on the tacks, but Ricky would then end up hitting the ropes and getting caught by Sasaki, who would pick him up and hit a DJist on the thumbtacks for the win. So, okay, but the problem with, you know, it followed the Masada Kamui um, match that had just happened, and this match came nowhere close to what Masada and Kamui had just done minutes prior. And then the main event of the show is Junkasai versus Masashi Takeda in a double glass board deathmatch. Um, they would begin fighting on the apron with Takeda spearing Kas- To the outside they would then get back in the ring and tease spots of going into the glass board when Takeda would eventually charge at Kasai who would move out of the way with Takeda going through the first glass board. Kasai would then climb up to the top and hit a flying drop kick with Takeda almost going into the other glass board. Kasai would then set up two chairs and place Takeda under the glass board as Kasai would end up going to the top rope but Takeda would end up getting up and hitting a suplex off the top sending Kasai through the other glass board. Board and it just explodes with glass everywhere all over the ring. Um, Takeda would then end up hitting an Olympic slam and then pulling out a ladder and a bucket of thumbtacks as well. Takeda would then end up hitting a suplex with Kasai's head hitting the ladder in a brutal looking spot. Takeda would then end up going for a powerbomb but Kasai would end up reversing it and hitting a reverse tombstone with Takeda's head going into the ladder and then Kasai would then end up hitting a Pearl Harbor splash off the ladder and then follow that up with a German suplex with Takeda's head again going into the ladder. Kasai would then finish off Takeda with a reverse tiger driver For the win, awesome match. Um, You know, I still preferred the Masada Kamui match, but this is another awesome death match. And I actually asked Takeda um, what was his favorite match. And this was in 2012. So this is about two and a half, three years after this match. And Takeda said this was his favorite match. So he liked this match more than the Miyamoto scaffold death match. He liked that more than, you know, other Corrigan Hall main event Big Japan matches. This was his favorite match of all time as of 2012. Two awesome matches on this show, nothing, you know, nothing else Freedoms had done at this point, or even the Apache Army in the first half of 2009 had done anything close to what these two matches were. Two awesome matches, and what Takeda and Kasai did, this is, you know, really the beginning of Takeda being at the level of Kasai to be able to have an awesome main event death match, and they're here in the next 10 years are going to have... Tons of others, and this show, you know, it drew out, it it sold out Shinkiba, you know, here in the next couple years and nine years later, they're going to be close to selling out Corrigan Hall. Takeda, you know, he's out of his rookie stage. He was still kind of in his rookie stage the year prior. He is out of his rookie stage already and able to have an awesome match like this.
0: At Sushi, Onida would hold his own show on December 27th at Shinkiba. What happened in the main event of this
1: show? Yeah, so with Onita having worked the Tarzan Goto Shin FMW show three days prior, um, Goto's gonna work this Onita show. So I'm sure the deal was, if you work my show, I'll work your show. Um, So Onita's gonna team up with Masada Tanaka, Katsunari Toye, Tomihiro Waki, and Black X Jr. And they're gonna take on Tarzan Goto, Ichiro Yaguchi, Leatherface, Goku-Aku Yumi Bozo, and Tomihiro Matsumoto. So after just teaming up three days earlier, they're gonna go back being on the opposite ends with Goto teaming up at the heels here. Uh, Goto would end up going after Onita right away. Um, eventually, it would be 2 to 1 in favor of the Onita team when Goto would end up coming off the top and with a splash uh, and begin smashing a chair over Black X Jr. before pinning him to tie it up 2 to 2. And then Goku Aku would end up throwing Onita into Goto, who would end up trying to lariat Onita, but um, he would end up missing, and Onita would end up spitting red mist in Goku Aku's face. Onita and Tanaka, as well as uh, Katsunari, Toy they would end up hitting a power bomb on Goku Aku. Toye would end up going after a Goto, but he would end up being met with the Tarzan Goto Laria. For the pin, so the Tarzan Goto team ends up getting the win, but afterwards, um, Tarzan Goto is given a 3 million um, yen check, and it's one of those big, giant checks uh, when you get for prize money, and Goto would actually end up giving it to Onita. So I guess this is to show, you know, Goto and Onita officially their feud or any by any means is over, and this is uh, Goto's peace offering by giving Onita 3 million yen.
0: Mr. Ganeske would promote another show
1: at Shinkiba on December 29th.
0: Can you go over the show?
1: So this would be the second promoted show for Ganeske since his retirement. Um, He would announce a crowd of 325 fans, which is a good number overall, but it is down from the sellout that he had back in September. But he also didn't have as much time to promote this show as he did the September show. But he also would fill this lineup with... um, great match after great match. Um, one of the matches um, would be Masada Tanaka and Minia Fujita taking on Tajiri and Asian Cougar. Uh, Tanaka and Tajiri, they would end up going at it with T- Tanaka hitting Tajiri with elbows as Tajiri would end up delivering kicks to Tanaka. Uh, Minia Fujita would end up hitting uh, Asian Cougar with the DDT followed by Tanaka hitting a frog splash. And then Tanaka would end up going for a sliding D on Cougar as Tajiri would end up grabbing Tanaka's leg. Tajiri would end up going for a running kick on Tanaka but Fujito would end up pulling out his leg from under him and then pulling him out of the ring as Tanaka would end up hitting a lariat And then a sliding D on Asian Cougar for the win and then um, Yuko Miyamoto and Masashi Takeda they would end up taking on Koto Abushi and Kenny Omega So it's kind of like DDT versus Big Japan here on um, Takeda and Miyamoto would end up throwing Abushi into the ropes Who would end up coming back and pushing Miyamoto into Takeda and then hitting a Hurricane Rana on Miyamoto Followed by hitting a moonsault to the outside on Miyamoto in an awesome-looking spot. A ladder would end up being set up in the ring with Omega trying to throw Takeda into it But Takeda would end up reversing it and sending Omega into the ladder But Omega would end up stopping himself just short of the ladder before Takeda would end up spearing Omega into the ladder Miyamoto would then end up hitting a moonsault off the ladder onto Omega and then Takeda would end up trying to hit a suplex on Omega Obushi, who would end up landing on his feet and delivering a kick to Takeda's head, followed by Omega doing his fireball spot with Takeda, landing into Obushi's arms to suplex Takeda. obushi and Omega would then end up hitting a double drop kick, and Omega would then end up hitting a pile driver off the turnbuckle with Ubushi pinning Takeda for the win. So this was an awesome match. Most people don't know about this match, and you know, at this time, Obushi and Omega are nowhere near the stars that they've become today. And then the main event, it's going to be Jintaro taking on Minori Sawa in a 61-minute time limit, two out of three falls match. Um, this is due to them having a 30-minute time limit draw the, um, back in September. Um, I'm not a big fan of this match. Um, Minori Sawa, he would end up putting uh, a cross-arm breaker on Jintaro to make him tap 44 minutes in for the first fall. And then uh, 60 minutes in, Jintaro, right before the bell, um, he would end up hitting a backdrop on Sawa for the pin. And then um, and then they would only have a couple seconds. as Jintaro would try to get Sala in the sharpshooter um, as the time limit would end up expiring. Um, I'm not, like I said, not a big fan of this match. Um, It was kind of slow. It was kind of boring. And it actually... I I actually timed this match out back in the day and actually only went 50 minutes. So they actually cut 10 minutes off this match and only really gave them 50 minutes for this match. Um, Like I said, um, you know, it's trying to... Jintaro at this time is trying to be this classic wrestler of having these awesome draws and, you know, 60-minute and 30-minute matches against top-rated uh, wrestlers and stuff. And I really liked Gintaro earlier in the decade, 2002, 2003 as a junior heavyweight, awesome high-flying moves. Um, at this point, I am not a fan of I think his, I think these matches are boring, personally. I think they're slow prodding and they don't really pick up. And this match is an example. It went 60 minutes and I had really no notes to really go off of because nothing... Re- of real note happened um, That's worth even talking about So you know at this point Jintaro is Like I said getting pushed as like This awesome you know uh, Matt wrestler and everything and I'm personally I'm just not feeling it I'm just thinking it, It's slow and it's boring and I have No real interest in these matches um, So overall the you know main event I would say was a disappointment Especially considering how awesome the Semi main event the kotobushi Kenny Omega, Yuko Miyamoto and Masashi Takeda Match had been prior to the the main event. All right, Brett, can you tell everyone again where they can find you? Yeah, you can find my website at bahufmw.com um, where you can find biographies, uh, DVDs for sale, um, I have news updates, um, so anything that you're interested in as far, and biographies, anything you're interested in, um, you can find it at this website, as well as, um, you can also find my YouTube videos of every, uh, history of FMW and career music video on this website as well, um, I did want to make mention that I have unlisted all the history of FMW videos, right now everything is hidden, but you can find it at my website, bahufmw.com, if you want to watch any of these previous videos, um, if you you can also f- still find them on YouTube uh, at um, Brett FMW. Like I said, everything's unlisted. But if you go into my account itself, you can still watch all the videos. If you want to go back to, and watch any of the previous ones, um, you can also find me on you can also find me on Twitter at Bahu FMW, where I've been going through um, and editing uh, matches um, based off the anniversary of the day, of the show, and um, I'll put like a one minute version of the match on Twitter. Um, that they've been getting a lot of likes. They've been somewhat popular. And then also you can find me. Me on uh, Instagram at Bahu FMW World, where I'll go through magazines, all my magazine Japanese wrestling magazines, and I will post FMW pictures, just random ones, and um, you know. I've been doing that for three years, so I have over 3,000 pictures. If you're interested in just kind of scrolling through and looking at a whole bunch of FMW pictures, you can also find my Facebook group at History of FMW where not only have I posted all the um, History of FMW videos as well, but also um, I'll go through and just kind of post random FMW matches or random videos, um, you know, things you can't find anywhere else on the Internet. um, I post on this Facebook group. Um, So if you're interested in that, like I said, History of FMW, and I think that's pretty much it. All right, thanks again for joining us, everybody. We will be back
0: next episode to go over the year 2010. Thank you so much.